Scott, do you want something to drink? Quick. You can have mate or you can have one of these uh, oolong teas. I love the oolong. Oolong it is. Alright. Great. And three, two, one. We're live. Hola. Hey. Hola, que tal? Amigo. Bom dia. <laughs> been a long time since we've seen each other. God, yeah, I haven't run into you for ages, yeah. It's about a year now. More than Probably that. Probably more, like, must be more, yeah. More than that. Scott, good, th- thanks for coming in. Yeah, well, really like, appreciate uh, it. thank you for showing me your new space, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you came to the Yaotong place. Mm. When did he move? Did you actually give a talk at, at the Yaotong place? I did, yeah, 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 yeah. I it was on the genetics, though. No, it was on the... the I did the, the Bohinia project. How's the, how's, the, how's the status of that project now? So... Um, it it did well actually. Like I, it achieved more than I thought it would because. Um, it Maybe just, you want it, to go into what that project yeah, is I first. Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> so um, one of the many hats that I wear was trying to promote genetic literacy, and uh, in the same way, that kind of numerical literacy, computer literacy, twenty first century. It's all going a bit kind of Blade Runner and the like, and we need to know, know how to deal with replicants and. All of these kinds of things were just, uh, and this was before He Jiang Kui started crispering babies and 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 all of the stuff like this. But it's like we're trying to just promote to the public: you need to know more about this stuff. Um, and loads of this stuff is going on in Hong Kong. Um, can talk about it more. But and so just as a way to kind of get people here involved, we did a the first Hong Kong Community Genome Project. Hong Kong. We've got, you know, slightly messed up national identity, this weird emblem of a bizarre hybrid flower that shouldn't exist, and, uh, and sort of mysteries where it came from. So, okay, let's mo- take all of these things together and do a, basically do a kind of community genomic study to figure out where this thing came from, show that DNA is not scary, um, it's not going to... Uh, uh, Show the the how expensive it costs, or like all of the steps, and then try and figure out the like the parentage of this bizarre thing. So we did a crowdfunding campaign, went to did some labs and kind of like lo- load of public outreach. Went on CNN, went on BBC World, went to M Labs. You know all of the all of the top places to kind of. Um, oh, I love jump, the way you said M Labs just after yes. sort of BBC and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> uh, to, to get interest in this. And so then um, we, we, you know, raise a bit of money, uh, use that to, so no government money at all, uh, sequence that we didn't have enough money to do the whole genomes, but we did the, the gene catalogs, right? We did the RNA, um, which should give enough to like figure out the parentage of the Bohemia and some of its likely parents. So I think that was probably about the time that I saw you guys, and we'd, I think we'd probably just got the data. But then the next step was, uh, and I was doing outreach and going to schools, um, six, you know, secondary schools, middle schools, even I think after I saw you, somebody gave me a load of seven-year-olds. I uh, had so this like, big gang of segregate, and I was like, teach them about genetics. So I was just like, okay, well, we can like, make squishy DNA. And uh, and we we smished. They, they were like very good at smashing up strawberries. And then we put cold alcohol and pulled out the pulled out the DNA. And then I took them to do. Okay, let's let's we can do phenotyping. So we we uh, with this big gang of seven year old kids, we went out into the like the the countryside and found bohemia trees. And we were like making notes like this one has flowers, this one doesn't. And so you know it's outreach stuff. But then but the key thing was like we got the data. 
let's figure out the parentage. So uh, students in, we've got some master students at Chinese U and they basically assembled it, right? And, and they did it like a bit embarrassingly quickly. Like we, was, we spent years getting all this stuff together and then like in you know, a month they'd like, okay, yeah, we've done all of the analysis and it's finished. And oh, it's, it's like, we know the parents and like, okay, it's kind of done. Um, and then, so, but it was, it, it was cool. They, they kind of let their imagination run riot and they were, this girl, the girl who was assembling, was really into Chinese medicine and she was looking at like historical genes, like uh, Chinese med- like medicinal genes that may be related to Chinese medicine. And she looked in like some of the old Chinese handbooks and like, oh no, they knew a thousand years ago that Bohemia was medicinal, like, yeah, like, and, and, and stuff like this. And like, so it like, it was cool. That's kind of where we got. And um, so the ne- next step, where well, we, we haven't really figured out a next step because they kind of did it. Um, then there's a, they tried to submit it to a scientific journal. Scientific journal rejected it because it wasn't like a massive study. Um, okay. but they, they wanted whole genomes and like, okay, get more data. And just like, well, this is all we could afford. So it's kind of been sat on a bit. But then there's a new student working on it at the moment. And they've managed to get uh, these new nanopore sequences that like fit in the palm of your hand and make super long reads. And so she is working on it at the moment. So like it kind of stopped, but stuff has carried carried on. So it was cool to um, see how it's going. Everything okay? Yeah. So that's yeah. That was the story so far on Virginia. And it was the what else happened? So it was all about getting something a quite complex thing into the public eye right there isn't a there isn't a chinese david attenborough um like people um a lot of people may study they're pushing stem education and stuff but people they kind of like graduate and like i'm just going to become a banker or work in center line like everybody else in hong kong and like we were trying to encourage people like there is a life outside of this that we can dive you know um we need to diversify um, from a completely like to a knowledge-based economy, yeah, a bit. Uh, yeah, you know, in that new generation M M Labs. Uh, to you know, get get the kids. Um, no, no, just just. Can you reach over and give Sebastian a slap? For <laughs> like, you yeah. know, no, no, no. It's no. a welcome cameo. Like, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is, yes. this is. He's like, you just like sort of like video bombed your, your, yeah. your Indava. <laughs> but it's, yeah, cam- cameo, you know. Cameo, that's the, a, one. that's the he, one. Like, yeah, yeah Hitchcock yeah. kind of just, just made a little. <laughs> sort of like shuffles, yeah. shuffles in on the screen. and. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were, tr- and uh, we were trying to, you know, get something into the public eye on top of, like, you know, carry lamina, toilet paper, and all of the things that the, you know, luxury goods and stuff that makes up most of the media here. And what was good was, um, so we got on CNN, we got on, uh, you know, BBC World, we got BBC Earth, we got, um, you know, plant genetics on the front cover of the SCMP, which is like, that, that, was, that, that was a success. Um, the, uh, so, uh, we were contacted by, uh, Shenzhen TV, who were making a documentary for CCTV9. So, like, Chinese state television was interested in this. And the, uh, the show was on, um, 
So this was uh, 2017, the 20th anniversary of handover of like yeah. the handover, and they were doing a uh, science documentary series on collaborations between where, how Shenzhen and Hong Kong are working together 20 years on. So they filmed they they filmed me and they came in the lab and interviewed like the scientists and we said all of this like yeah this is you know this is a collaboration stuff, this is right? a, we're like we were kind of like this is a this is good this is good stuff we've you know Shenzhen and Hong Kong can work together and you know we're using Shenzhen technology and and getting the Hong people of Hong Kong involved and we're all trying to discover something about ourselves and we did all this and they're like this is great this is fantastic they edited it and then the week that they were going to show it. Um, it got banned. <laughs> so they dem- they broadcast every other uh, the other five episodes, but not the uh, Bohemia ended up uh, like on the like uh, cutting room floor. It was censored about because what? it wasn't. It was too pro Hong Kong and not pro Shenzhen. The whole thing is just like yeah, we don't we don't like it. It's just not enough Shenzhen in this. So um, so we, we we were censored, but still like state TV was in. Well, like we got we got interest anyway from the mainland media uh, but what was weird was we got zero Cantonese language coverage that, so that was really that was the one thing that I was really disappointed about everything uh-huh. right? you can get on CNN you can get, you can get like CCTV coming calling but uh, Apple Daily Ming Pao like anyone we contacted in Hong Kong that in Canton- we made can- we made Cantonese language videos res- like resources we had, you know, like, I, I can't speak Cantonese, but we had, like, a whole team of local people who were very happy to do interviews and contacting people on our behalf, and, like, no one was interested. So that, that was... There was a lot of really cool stuff about it, but the one thing that I was really disappointed was, like, Cantonese media needed to up its game. Yeah. Some, it sounds like the state of affairs of science in Hong Kong, generally, yeah. especially the funding, right? Um Yes, yeah. it's, it's rather good if you compare that to Singapore. God, good grief. Yeah. You're working for Giga Science now. Yeah, which is uh, well, I, I was. I, so I've been working for them for, ten, for coming up to 10 years. Oh, so nice. the Bohemia Genome, I do Open Data Hong Kong stuff. I do, I've got. Uh, uh, this is like. You're one of the ex- founders of Open Data, aren't you? Um. Sort of. I was there from the beginning. I wasn't technically a founder, but then okay. I've been. Yeah, involved since pretty much the beginning. Okay. Um, so I have, yeah, where a lot I just so from Bohemia Genome, I've set up a uh, NGO called Citizen Science Asia. It um, to for all of these various citizen science projects. Um, if you guys have got any citizen science projects in M Labs, we're building a registry and trying to connect stuff across the region of Asia. There are associations in Europe. Uh, Australia, um, North America, for kind of connecting and promoting citizen science. The UN is getting involved to use it as a way to fill in gaps in the, so like all of the sustainable development goals and and everything. We need data, right, to, they're kind of metricizing things, they've got goals and targets, but professional scientists are only collecting a certain amount of data. We need citizens to fill gaps on studying biodiversity, environment, uh, uh, weather, climate, pollution, all of these kinds of things. Astronomy. Astronomy, all of the um, uh, various things like this. And so um, they are promoting, yeah, they're trying to get like a global consortium together. But there's a big gap in Asia because, you know, we're 60% of the world's population. 
um, loads of stuff like this. Uh, in terms of the biodiversity of the planet, we're like big biodiversity hotspot, but where, where you look at like where all of the biodiversity is measured, it's Europe, North America, like Australia, South Africa, you kind of, the, the middle bits that are most biodiverse are the least studied and we need, you know, we need, we need people to like map this stuff in Asia. So anyway, so we set up this organization to fill that gap and kind of participate and um, we submitted it to the Inland Revenue and everything to... We had lawyers... Hong Kong, Hong Kong Inland Revenue. Uh, yeah. So we were registering it as an NGO in Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, submitted it in September 2018, and it was like three weeks ago we finally heard back saying, yeah, yeah, you can submit now. For God's sake, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For God's sake. Yeah. So... Um, why Why was it so slow? Hong Kong. I don't know. You know, we've had... I mean, you can, you can register a business within an afternoon. Yeah. But if it's an NGO... There's a lot of politics about NGOs and things like... like it's, I think it was a partly about... I think it was a bad time. Um, with, uh, you know, government shutting down, coronavirus, yeah. lots of various things like this. And then, just in general, the... the it, Hong Kong has, the, like, the certain crazy statistic, like, the most... NGOs per capita or something in the world. It's been a place where there's been a lot of dodgy, Taxes. lot of dodgy NGOs. <laughs> but the government is really for not the they're not even clamping down on the dodgy ones, but like just NGO the whole NGO sector in general. There's a lot more scrutiny now. A lot of stuff that's been happening in the last twelve months. So I think we were just kind of what we're doing is like very neutral. You know, it's like it's it's about as neutral as you can get, right? It's kids looking at animals and things like things like this but even that we've just been everything has slowed down a lot and and we were just hit by that but anyway we've passed so we're at now a, we're now an NGO as well but yeah so those this are all of the things I do outside of work but my day job is giga science so okay well, before we go into giga science yeah. you you were mentioning this open data hong kong mm. what what why create open why is open data important why have open data uh good, good yeah that's a very good question and that like giga science it, it is around because of this question because of as open well data. okay yeah so um we live in a you know there's all of this data is the new oil blah 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 like we live in a very data centric world now like people are obsessed with data the biggest businesses in the world are data related, you know, Silicon Valley, all of the like. Um, but um, in the last, you know, last couple of decades, um, there's been an increasing realisation that proprietary data does, like, you can make money from this in certain ways, but data should be there's a lot of stuff that should be for the public good and it and it's much more efficient for society and the like that there's this the, a lot of this data needs to be open right things work better it, uh, data sets that are siloized and not uh, things don't work if you've just got things in little closed off silos to really like the dream is the matrix right um but the matrix doesn't work if everything's in tiny little kind of and so you, you need to connect it and to connect it all, it, it needs to be open, um, we, you know, within reason, within like you know, an ethical manner. You know, you don't, you know, um, and and all of this, all of this, like, but like, ultimately, 
things need to be as open, things should be as open as possible. And taxpayers fund for all of this stuff, pay for all of this stuff as well, right? So, like our government, for example, we pay taxes. They they do all of this stuff. Like they're doing it for us, right? We we sh- we should own this. They should. The lands department shouldn't be selling, making money off our maps and and. Um, research research and 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 things like this it, it the government works much better if they open this stuff up the the government are so this is this is open data hong kong is quite government data focused i would go into like research data later which i see as the same thing because it's government it's like taxpayers fund this yeah. as well but when people talk about open data they usually talk about government data and it's transport and maps and 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 all of things things like this that yeah um the government so the hong kong government are a great example in that they they've been quite kind of we we can handle this and 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 but they 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 basically get a load of civil servants to try and do data science and they they're not the they're not the people to do it so they they built data repositories but like they've got stuff in PDFs and well, yeah, that's old fashioned. That, that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. like you can go onto a typical website of the you, uh, of the Hong Kong government. You can get information, on it, but it's all published in freaking bloody PDFs. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do about that? And now yeah. recently they've introduced this like a like a you know like a capture code thing to be able to. So you can't you can't you can't you scrape can, their website yeah. lo- any longer. Like they're making it actively hostile for uh, um, open data. So, but then they also have like one part of the government is supposed to be opening it up, but they and so it, but it, there's just no communication. So they have data.gov.hk. So they've launched the uh, data repository where the stuff is supposed to be in, but that only a small proportion of the stuff is in there, and it's and it's not and it's not great. And so they've they, they've just had this mentality that like okay, you know, ooh, people don't understand what to do with data. I've shouted at um, Fanny Law from Exco once. At something, to, so we released all. I, I was the civil servant, really, like I was the, the person responsible for releasing all the census data, and nobody uses it. And then I was just and so like, what was the point? And it's just like then I was just so wound up. I just stood up and started shouting like, because there's bloody PDFs and you can't use the stuff. And like we you know we've had a million hackathons and everybody pulls their hair out because it's so bloody unusable and and things like this. So it's. They, they they thought okay we make it available like I've I've given you data now like can you can you leave me alone and stuff but it's like no no we've spent all of this time so they had, so the the Hong Kong government had a competition so so this was like six years ago something like we're gonna we're gonna create apps and and um, and uh, apps are the new thing everybody loves apps app, 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 apps are the future um, and uh, so. Yeah, and they, they so they did a they did a they did this competition where they were getting people to like submit apps and and all of, all of these kinds of things, and then they contracted a load of apps. So they spent million ten million dollars oh, on ten on ten apps, <laughs> right? And one of these apps was the Red Tide app, right? We get we get we get Red Tides every so often. So they spent like yeah ten million divided by ten, right? On this on this Red Tide app, and then people came like. Kept, kept, there was, so there was an article that they, a bunch of journalists came back and looked at this. You know, six, twelve months later, it had six downloads, right? Oh. But they're but they're civil servants, right? They're not. This is this isn't the this isn't their job, right? They should they 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 just 
that, so the open data movement is you just make the data as usable as possible. Like fo- focus on that, give it to us, and then we will. We will. Yeah, there's a million the a million yeah. hackers who will make the coolest apps in the world, like based on this, and we'll do it much cheaper and much better, and come up with things that you know. It's not your job. You're a civil servant. Like you're not. Uh, you're not. Mr. App, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not, yeah. So, you know, everybody, everybody loves the example everybody uses is, um, uh, what's that? Uh, City Mapper, right? And, and things like that. Like these apps o- are brilliant. Open Street Maps? Yeah, like, um, yeah. So the, 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 the people who really close up a load of the data in Hong Kong are the, ma- are the lands department because they actually sell the they sell uh mapping data and so they but you know it's like the amount that they the amount of revenue they're getting compared to everything that you could be like you could be doing like the, the amount of time that every single person in hong kong is sat work waiting at a bus stop because the, there's like five different bus apps and they don't work very well and you can't plan your journeys because the bus they, because the when you talk to the transport companies they say well, uh, our bus drivers are uncomfortable, um, like uh, like sharing their locations and stuff. So we have to protect the identity of the bus drivers. We have to protect the bus drivers, right? And so we like the set. There's eight million people who waste an hour a day, like waiting for the bless us bloody bus and stuff like this. But like the priority is, you know, this you got to you got to protect the bus drivers just in case. <laughs> um, yeah, like in Helsinki, so, I remember waiting for a bus, and it was fantastic to see, like down to the second. Well. Well, even in much. Shenzhen, right? Even in Shenzhen, oh, yeah. you, you just cross the border yeah, and it's yeah. all like, yeah. If they're doing open data stuff better than Hong Kong, it's pretty yeah. embarrassing. But anyway, so open data Hong Kong has been kind of, that's the, this is the whole government data thing. Right. Um, but there's been less focus on research data. But this is the panacea. This is the sort of like, you know, the new frontier. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff like open data archive you know these sorts yeah. of these sorts of and scihub.tw yeah what a fantastic fantastic uh, uh, website that is i mean apparently she's been like sued now uh um, yeah big time they want to they they yeah, they want to take her out ta- they want to take her out <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean uh, that's 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 oh sebastian you you head it up now okay my man Nice seeing you. Final cameo. Yeah, we should probably start the Indabas at like 7.45. This way Sebastian can clear off and not, not interrupt all the... Here you go, buddy. Cheers, man. Do you have a final, do you have a final message Dude. for the uh, international yeah, community? Do you have a final... No, no. He's yeah. had enough messages. Okay. Keys, buddy. Do the keys, the keys are on the table? Yeah, I know. Okay, so... so. Yeah, you're right. You're wow. right, man. Yeah, serious stuff. Proper we we take security, kind of we like, take yeah. physical security seriously around here. <laughs> and and the yeah, the fog. Okay, buddy, maybe you want the umbrella. Okay, man, have a good one. Okay, so open data, open data, Hong Kong. You guys, you guys have been chugging along for about oh, since twenty thirteen. Yeah. Seven years. I was going to say yeah. seven years now. 2000. Okay, so... And, and, and has the government sort of, like, taken you seriously at all? Um, so, there's been improve. There has been improvement. Like, when we started, there wasn't even a data repository. So, they got that, and then everything was in PDFs. 
And then we were, like, whinging about PDFs a lot. And then they suddenly... So then after, like, five years, um, and paying a load of money for a Smart City Blueprint to PwC, they paid them, like, millions and millions. And we're like, we're like, open data, you need to do this. Open data is important. But then, like, ignore us. PwC pay them 12 million or something. And then PwC comes back. Open data is really important. And then they go, wow, open data is really important. And then, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. So, so, um, so really, so the, 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 it sounds like the way to interface with the government is to be able to get one of these PwC cronies on your side, at least yeah. an important individual in there, and say, oh, we, we come representing PwC and open data, blah, 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 take us yeah. seriously. And then only then you'll be able to make traction it's in Hong this Kong. domain. That's yeah, it's how, Hong that's, Kong. That's how it works. Yeah, I know. Um, but um, so then, they, then they, they eventually got it through that, oh, PDFs are really bad. So they pulled off all of the PDFs of their of their uh, website, and of course didn't replace uh, but, it with the. Well, so then, for, so that we were tracking the number of data sets, and they were going up over time, and then suddenly they went down because they took all the PDF ones and didn't replace all of them. So they've replaced a lot of them, but it was like it's just, it's just kind of the way they. Uh, but then they put too many, like they've got so many different data types and things like that. They just, they just need to be a bit consistent and stuff. But I don't know. They they, they the. So it's covered by the OGCIO, is the civil service body, the office of the government chief information officer. And they've been, they're, they're nice people. We've interacted with them and met them in meetings. But the thing is, it's part of the civil service that they have a high turnover of people. So you meet these people and they're like, oh, wait. but it's just uh, nobody's there for more than a couple of years and then they just go on to another. Surely one can create a set of like schemas that one one can agree to. So the, even though the you know this churn on both sides, at least the schemas stay. Yeah. So the uh, one project that's launched that we've been um, working a bit with the uh, Hong Kong Open Data Index. So they just launched last month, and so that's the kind of thing they are. They're trying to produce neutral best practice. So they're assessing the data situation every 12 months and they'll do a yearly index and just go you know this has improved this hasn't improved and they and then they give a set of recommendations go you know saying look you know this is an easy thing to fix and 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 this is you know maybe use this schema and and metadata standard and things like this so that that isn't that's a new thing and that's so stuff ha stuff has actually happened in the last two years so beginning of last 18 months actually beginning of last year they finally uh, produce targets so they do a gov they do each government department has to do an open data their own kind of report like uh, you and 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 kind of set targets so like we're but it like it's pretty random it's pretty random it's not very like smart targets but they're at least doing a bit of transparency in this and then after uh 26 years they're finally updating the uh, access to information policy so hong kong is in a weird situation that this was one of the things that the it like it's very it's like very british just okay we're leaving now let's give let's give them all of these we don't have to deal with these stuff so let's just give them a load of rights that like, that we never gave them just just as we're going so they did a code on access to information in 94 95 which is a very early FOI, like Bill Clinton only started talking about FOI in 94. And I think we got a legislation in 95. FOI is freedom of information. But it, they call right? it code on access. It's a code rather than a law. 
because so it's not quite as binding as a but they're still supposed to they're su- still supposed to do this stuff but the problem one, one of the big problems with this was that it didn't um so we had a, we had a code that wasn't quite a law but kind of like pseudo law and then but then we didn't have a, we don't actually have an archives law so we're a very weird jurisdiction that we, we that you're supposed to give stuff you're, so, you're supposed to share information with a certain amount of time but you can also just you there's nothing to stop you destroying that information so all our archives are just like yeah well you know it's not backed up by like every other every other place in the world you have an archives law first and then you have an foi law but like it's hong kong you know just just throw random bits of legislation in so and it's taken them all of this time and um six seven years there was a government committee like hey we're gonna finally put in an archives law and turn the code into an actual law. Um, and that disappeared into the long grass for like almost like half, almost, you know, more than, more than half a decade. That, but finally, at the beginning of last year, they finally issued the public consultants, like consultation on that. And it's just like, wow, it's going to happen. Like, this is amazing. And then, uh, so we, we organized that. This was the last kind of big bunch of events we did at ODHK was, um, trying to get like public feedback on this and there were some things that were an improvement some things were actually a step backward because they wanted to introduce data access charges right oh for god's sake so it's so like it's like this is actually we don't have many rights here right and this is one that they're actually gonna like take change to like they actually have to now pay them for this nonsense but this was one of the recommendations so we're just like this is you know don't put i was trying to brand as like don't put in a data tax right you know like an information tax um um, I mean, it's been funded by taxes in the first place. I mean, yeah. uh, and so few people do this. Dipping, right? So the actual amount of uh, use of the code is like it was something like a tenth of what they use in Ireland, right? And I don't think Ireland is famous for you know for being a very well. I suppose they are. I think Ireland is famous. I, well, Ireland, yeah, actually, Ireland has changed. At least for yeah. me, it is. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But but anyway, like you know, but if you're like Hong Kong itself is you know this kind of like Blade Runner skyline and stuff like this but like if if you know Craggy Island is beating us on data transparency and things like this it's it's um <laughs> it's shameful <laughs> it is a bit it is, yeah. so anyway so we, but we pushed them on all of this stuff and we were doing organizing some meetings with Charles Mark and and things like this and then so they it's the it, but then how how's Charles Mark is he is he actively Helping push this thing forward. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's been the one person that like all all of these things. He's been very useful, right, and right. a lot of the, the we've not really done a lot in Open Data Hong Kong, but the few things we have, he was very. We would work with his, his assistants, and he would you know push some things in Legco or get or like lobby that. So getting the one of the one of the one of the few things we managed to do was um, they do the, they issue the budget every year, and the budget was just they released it as a pdf and there's a hell of a lot of information there and so the data journalists at scmp and and in all of every so basically every single year that the budget comes out then they have to you know scmp has to do like a nice glossy sec you know like loads of graphs and charts and things of like okay we you know this is going up this is going down and stuff but they would get it like in this really annoying form and the poor suckers would have to spend a day or two pulling the data out and, and putting it in a usable way and then generating all of these nu- and they were just like just can you can you give just us give a us JSON can you, file yeah, or like even, <laughs> and we figured out we figured out with all of this that all of these PDFs we figured that like 
these have been saved from Excel files. So, like, Excel isn't, like, the best thing, but could you just give, could you not turn, because they, because the, 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 the sec, yeah, the secretaries and stuff who are doing this stuff, like, because their bosses want it printed out. So they're turning, they're just thinking that everyone's like my boss and they want us to, be, to turn it into a PDF so we can print it. But it's like, no, no. We're, we're no, no just give us the Excel Just give us the Excel file. <laughs> and so Charles, so... <laughs> like we, a few, few of us went in and talked to Charles Mark, and I think they were even like some people were testifying in something in Ledger or like just at least lobbying the 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 finance the, like the I can't remember who issues the budget, which government department. The yeah, but anyway, like talking to them and just like this, can you just give us a like a, do it in a CSV or like uh, some, something like this? And then uh, and then they did. So that was we you know there's they like little successes, but they have been good. And but Charles was really helpful in like brokering this. Okay, and, so and, he's a rather instrumental like fellow. So yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he he understands technology and like not a lot of them do. Yeah. In I would I would love to have him on at some point. At, at some mm. point down the line, maybe he can come on and be great to yeah. chat with him. It seems like an interesting fellow that yeah. one. So okay, so Giga Science is also sort of like an extension of this open data or rather a specialization. Yeah. Is that correct? So what focus focus on research data, right? Yeah. And so yeah, I've explained some of the frustrations with like government data and things like this, but like academia, when you really look at it, it's pretty dysfunctional and um Academia the, the, in Hong Kong or globally? So globally, <laughs> but Hong Kong is particularly, Especially so. uh, you know, the people in their ivory towers and, and things like that. And so the way they actually, the way we do research, the, um, so gov- you know, public funds it, researchers do it. And then the key thing is like they disseminate it. But the way they've been disseminating it effectively hasn't changed for 350 years. So his so like they managed to update science once, but then they kind of because uh, pre Newton and every so people used to do their science, and then they used to write stuff down, and then put it and lock it up, put it in a safe, and then uh, basically uh, then somebody else would to, to claim priority they would keep stuff secret and then someone would say I've done this and like, they're like ah this was in my safe I actually did it first ah, but, and it was just a really weird that was that was like right. and then it was proof of prior art but 350 years ago they uh, so the proceedings of the Royal Society um, and yeah Newton and I don't know all, all of these kind of scientists of the day came up like let's actually like write letters and uh, let's not do this like defaulting to shove stuff in a safe, but we actually communicate openly and you claim priority by... And so, the, yeah, the, the world's first journal, Proceedings of the um, proceedings of the Royal... Transactions of the Royal Society was 350... When was that? 355 years or something, like... And uh, it was... 66, so four, three, 354 years ago. So how do you claim precedence in this scenario? Well, it's a centralized database, essentially. So they probably timestamp it. Uh, and then you can see, oh, well. Yeah, well, they do a monthly issue of these letters that they would send around. And so you just, you just kind of like, I, and, and, and yeah, so you just share these shared communities. And so then that's basically where 
the journal, you know, the whole concept of the journal came from. And so for 350 years, everything has been focused on, this is the, I win, okay, you know, I, I wrote this down first and I've got priority. And, but then, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, you, you, people can then build upon, build upon this stuff. But as long as you cite it. Yeah, but, but, and, and so, so citation is a... So it's kind of a gentle's agree, gentleman's agreement as well. It's not a legal thing. It's, not a, it's just a, but this whole concept of kind of scholarship came up and, and, and it was, yeah, we, I, I have to... It, I don't have to credit your work, but if I don't, then that, that's, that's bad, you know, bad, bad play. You're, you're, you're a rotter and not a gentleman... And we will, we will, you you won't be able to come to our club and smoke your cigars, and um, and so and so basically this whole this, yeah this whole kind of system came out and it was great and it worked for 350 years. But now 350 years on, we are so everything has been focused on narrative, and um, but we're in this data driven era now and there's a great quote from um, uh, what they called um, Donahoe and um, Donahoe uh, anyway, anyway there's a great quote from the, from the uh, mid late 90s that um, that ad- the publishing right these papers are basically advertising right you're advertising research but the actual usable things that people need now in in uh, in this kind of more data driven era, it are the data and the software that kind of built this. That uh, the and and you and basically that stuff is not shared. Right, you don't get credit for that. You're getting credit for this for this narrative thing, but not for the what the stuff that we predominantly need now. And so, it, the, basically, this whole the, 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 just the incentive systems are very focused on this. Have just got very very focused on this certain thing and so the way we do science the way it is just focused now on writing a paper in a and and in this kind of narrative way and you need a story it's not really you know we do data you know now we create data for the sake of data you can do it like uh okay that yeah so the large hadron collider like they wanted to answer one particular scientific scientific question but you know or and and hubble and things like that right you want you you've got some scientific questions but also you just want to create create a shit ton of data and uh, you may not be able to, you know, you've got some questions you may want to, like, ask it, but these big data sets, people, people will be able to answer questions that you, that you haven't thought of, and you combine these data sets with other people's data sets in this whole big matrix, and then um, things that, you know, no human has thought of yet will, will just kind of come, come out of that, right? This is, this is sort of data-driven science, right, rather than uh, hypothesis-driven science. And, and um, yeah, people really need this data, but everybody, everybody's just very focused on this kind of, like, I only get credit for doing this narrative thing. So science has just... It's changed the way that we do, that we do science. And, um, and it's had some kind of bad, bad consequences as a result. In the sense that the identity of the, the researcher gets subsumed into this 
like, 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 I mean, funding cycles are very so much about there's, how, there's pub, how publish and perish. Exactly, there's, exactly. And, uh, and so, um, the really, the thing that, that has really messed this up is, um, so in the late 90s, the, the Brits, those pesky Brits, uh, invented, they came up with this um, research, so the REF, the Research Excellence Framework, or the RAE, RAS, they keep changing the name, but um, they basically came up with a seven-year uh, research assessment scheme. So, like, and, you know, we need, like, yeah, data is important, right? You need to, if you're funding, if you're spending a load of government money, you, should, you need to ensure that it's being spent in the right places and, and you know, someone's not pissing the money away so they, they came up with this a- academic assessment exercise in the la- late 90s and then okay we need we need okay what's a good d- way to assess uh, researchers all right but so there's the publication output and citations are the so a scientist um, you know so yeah you, 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 you talked about credit and so somebody writes a paper and then if people build upon that research and, and, you know, they cite that. And so you get these kind of citation networks. And, and it is a way of saying, oh, like, this is super highly cited and, and nobody's ever cited this thing. So probably this re- research, you know, must have, have had, like, potentially more impact than this one. But it's quite a kind of one dimension, you know, it, it's... It's useful data, but it's not the most sophisticated data. And um, and it and at the time in the late nineties, they're saying, okay, how do we get this data? Oh, there's a Thomson Reuters are selling this. They've got this special database called uh, Web of Science. And so where and and so this comes from ISI, the um, and this guy called Eugene Garfield. So I. Don't know if you ever heard of of Garfield, but in the in this whole kind of field, he's quite a seminal name. Only passed away a couple of years ago, nearly a hundred, like super old. So in the fifties, he was studying. Um, he he basically invented the field of scientometrics, where he was studying the. He started this whole concept. Okay, yeah, some things get more citations than other. And he was studying in physics experiments in the 1950s and just looking at these half-lives of citation. So he came, he came up with, uh, okay, we can kind of like metricize this. And then in, uh, in like 1961, I think, um, he basically set up an institute, the Institute of Science and Metrics, ISI, that basically was working on this. And uh, a few years after this, he came, he came up with this, with this came up with this index where and so I think it must have been books or something like you know publish yearly books and just look at the citations of the journals at the time and then in the early 90s uh, in the 90s it basically went online and became web of science and so he had this he had this database and this institute and and, and everything and then in the early 90s Thomson Reuters or like they are. They're just buying. Reuters at that time. Reuters at that. Uh, time. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, it would have been. Reuters, yeah, it would have been Reuters at the time. Thought, okay, this is a. They're starting to build these portfolios of products, and thought this is a useful one. So they purchased his research institute and just turned it into a product. 
um, I think he got quite a nice bit of money from this and um, you know kind of I don't know how involved he was after the after it got it became a, a commercial product but anyway it um, yeah it became this it became this data source that you could use and it kind of poodled along until the late 90s the British government was like this is the this is the metric we're going to use and so then when they did that basically all hell broke loose and the and but like so publishing there's always been prestige and and you know there's the fancy journals and the not and, and you know getting a getting a good journal can make your career right like uh you your the the cns right you know science nature and and cell and like the the these kinds of ones uh but if you looked at uh, until the I, I wasn't, you know, scientifically that active back in the day. But if you look at, you know, a lot of the, the, the seminal papers from Nobel Prize-winning scientists and the like, it's a lot of it is in society journals, right? The societies have got these... Not the, This is where the really good quality, but, like, not super exciting... Like, it's not the, the sexy research, but, like, the, they really, really, like, cross the I's and dot the T's or... or, or um, super super stringent, and um, and yeah. Th- so the, the like this was the, and if you're working a specific field, you've got the top journal in your field, and and that that's that's where you published. But then in the so then in the nineties, it really late nineties, it just this really turbo truck. So the UK introduced this, and then basically like loads of other like pretty much every other country then then followed and the hong kong system is a complete clone of the uk ref so all of the academics here get assessed on these seven year cycles on on impact and things like this but the uk did a couple of cycles using this impact factor thing and then realized like jesus christ we've created it we created a monster and so they've they've kind of downplayed this but hong kong we're like still like two cycles behind so we're like we're still you know but 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 anyway so that really turbocharged the, and so then in the 90s the everything flipped that like if I can get there was a few journals that just had the highest impact impact factor and so then suddenly like people then were like my society journal my field specific journal it's kind of like mid table right because everybody in that field cites it and this was you know this is the audience that should be these are the people who need to read my paper but if i get it in this like super sexy one like yeah my field aren't read like my field will probably read it but no it's not really as targeted but basically boom i can like put my feet up and retire and so it just so that re- that really flipped things to these and and it's a very interesting field in um that so you know Proceedings of the Royal, you know, Royal Society goes back 350 years. So the number one medical, so uh, the New England Journal of Medicine launched in uh, 1811 or something. It's over 200 years old. It's been the number one medical journal for 200 years. Nature launched like 150 years ago. It's been the number one biology journal for 200 for 150 years right it's very very this is a very very static field like everything's set up to kind of maintain the maintain the status quo and and then the this whole kind of uh, you know 
flip to the to this one metric that rules all metrics, um, then uh, just really kind of created like an even bigger divide, right? It really just supercharged some journals and everybody else kind of then struggled. And it led to a massive... So the profit margins as well of the publishers skyrocketed, right? It's not a massive industry, but it's probably the most profitable industry in the world. Mm-hmm. So the the top... And so and the, the so there's a few prestige there's a few prestige journals right and then there's like there's tens of thousands of other journals but these big publishers they're like nobody wants to, only a few people want the, like all of this other stuff but they basically then bundled everything I want these few few journals but you have to buy this big package of everything and and the market really consolidated the universe the society presses so many of them got merged and subsumed and taken over by the and then all of the various public houses have all just been acquired and acquired and acquired and we're in the position where there's kind of like five just kind of mega publishers now and then some societies and small but like everything is consolidating to like a very small number of publishers and their profit the profit margins of the the bigger ones so Elsevier um, Elsevier just uh, fell out with MIT recently so everybody hates everybody hates Elsevier. Elsevier are the biggest and the least popular one, but they've just got they just own everything, right? And so you can't you can't mess with that. And they're the ones who are like really trying to take out uh, Alexandra Ekteban or whatever she is, the the yeah. Hub and things like this because cause their project mar- project profit margins are forty percent, right? So they they're and. You compare this to like tobacco industry, like oil, mine, mineral. They are they are like double, triple the like what Rio Tinto make and something like this. It's the most profitable business in the world. So it's a racket. It's a racket. But well, how is it a racket? So and the, like academics have just given them, given so these journals. So they charge. So if you want to read stuff, you have to pay. But then they don't pay the... So then the, the scientists give their work to them and sign over the rights, right? They still, and So they sign the copyright... Tax pa- so this is tax, taxpayer, taxpayer research. research. Yeah. yeah. It's just handed over to most profitable companies in the world. And so then... But then they own your... They, so the, it's not even that the public owns it. You don't even own your own work. If you want to use your own figures in your teaching materials and stuff, you have to con- you have to like then contact them. Hey, can I buy back the cop? Or if you're writing a book and then you want to reuse a figure you did from a picket, you have to basically negotiate with this whole big sales team, and and then and then buy buy the buy your rights back to your own work. Okay, so can we say academics are supposed to be the leading minds of the the world, but actually yeah. they're stupid. And, and so then the editors, the editors are, and so the acad- if it's handled by academic editors, they work for free, or they may get like very small um, per diems or like things, right. things like this. So, but, they, but basically, most of the editors are working for free. And then they, the key step is peer review, right? The reason we do all of this thing is historically like, okay, and, and then. But, you know, we've been publishing for 350 years, but peer review is actually a relatively new thing. They, we think it goes back to kind of the... Uh, this was all part of part of the whole package. But, for example, uh, Crick and Watson, right? That 1950, you know, 1955, whatever, that wasn't peer-reviewed. 
because um, it wasn't such a common practice then. But anyway, but anyway, the key, you know the key thing is this: they are the and this is what the publishers kind of justify what they do. We we add value, and the key thing is we we we're like we we. This is the difference between you know the sun and kind of you know this is this is peer reviewed research, right? We've got experts to look at this, but the the experts aren't paid as well. Like this is all done for free, so everything is done for free. And then they, yeah, they charge huge amounts for the access for these subscriptions, these packages. The so the and now they, since they've been doing these big deals, the the price the price that they make from um, from all of their subscriptions has it's like way way outpaced uh, inflation and stuff like it's it's like crazy increases since since the since the nineties. And you know universities just can't afford can't afford all of this stuff, and and then you know, even the rich universities can't afford it. You know everything they can only afford a proportion. And so if you're in a developing country, if you are a patient and you want to like I you know I've got coronavirus, what's the what you know I want to read the research about this or sort of something. You you know Joe, Joe Public, you can't even though you know you're a taxpayer and you paid for this, you can't access this stuff, and. Um, and uh, yeah, and but they, but the, the scientists have given all of this stuff away because it's the way they get paid, right? It's become so tied into everybody's kind of joined into this system because okay, I all my research assessment is now based on these publications, and if I can get the the dream is if I get this sexy publication that's it I've won I can I'm uh, uh, and so people like it's you mean you get the research grants if you're able to publish in a good journal yeah yeah Yeah. and so you won't you know you won't you won't get and you won't get tenure you won't get your funding renewed and 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 the crazy thing is is based on this so this impact factor metric right so metrics right okay there's you know scientists are supposed to be scientists right things things okay we've got like metrics are a, a scientific can be a you know this is a scientific way of assessing research but what web of science does which is the key metric that everybody's got obsessed with it's a it's a citation metric so num you know so it should be like number of paper so you're assessing the journal not the individual paper and it should be like number of publications divided by the citations right that's a kind of fair metric and it's kind of that but they but this particular product it's, there's two problems with it. So the first one is they count it over two years only. So it's a two-year... It, it's based on two years of data. And what that means is... Oh, for, for a field of mathematics, that's... that's Okay, oh, sorry, continue. Yeah, continue. yeah well, so, yeah, fields, yeah, right, so fields exactly. where it takes a long yeah. time for payoff are then screwed, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, well, t- tough shit, you know, yeah. 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 Um, and so basically that all of the money then becomes focused on the things that get like short, you know, a short hit. And, uh, and, and, and it's not even fields. It's just like, well, this, expe- this is, it's, this equi- is a, it's the equivalent of academic clickbait. It, exactly. Clickbait, right? It's basically turn academia to, yeah, Buzzfeed or some, some kind it's, it's, cli- it's GIF bait, right? Journal impact factor bait. And, um, and so it doesn't matter in two years if, like it's debunked it's still they got the you know they, they, so they're controversial it's like these 
you want life, you want yeah. contra- you want controversial, right? Life on Mars, you want, like uh, um, arsenic life and and things like this. That this is the this is good, right? It's as long as you can get through two years before the wheels fall off this thing, then that's that's perfect. And so, particularly the the top journals that are really the, the story they they their focus is na- is sexy narrative, right? It's it's clickbait narrative that will get. Um, a lot, a lot of interest. So, the, the, so the, again, the narrative is like way outpaced the the utility of the data. The narrative is now the real, like you want a really sexy narrative, and and the top journals are the ones that are most focused on this. If you don't have an interesting narrative, uh, so this is this is doesn't have the impact, right? You there are the there's the soci- boring society journals that are focused on like. Bo- boring, boring things a bit are true, right? <laughs> the, the, but that's that doesn't get you promoted and stuff. It's the it's the sexy but probably a bit shaky foundations. And uh, so it then so the whole the whole system is incentivized bad research practice. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a big that's a big problem. Do, do you know, it, it, it comes to mind one particular paper I read about how a sign, uh, uh, somebody did some research about. The orientation that a dog took a piece of, it took its shit on, 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 on the lawn. Yeah. And, and, and that's what the paper was about. Good God, man. And, and actually, um, recently on, on are you, do you follow Hacker News? Uh, I've seen no. odd okay. things. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. So I think recently there's a, um, a publication about citations on Sci-Hub. So if you, if you cite your paper on Sci-Hub, it seems to be a more accurate, um, uh, you know, yeah. Well, so any so the because because the the data that they're using for citations is proprietary, and it's completely it's the worst data you can get because it's you'd have no and so the the other flaw with that so the flaw number one is it's short and also so it's January to December January to December and so the journals know that if you publish something in December you because you collect two years but if you publish in December you only really collect end of December you're only really collecting one year so they publish their shit papers in December. And they, publish, they save the best papers for January. So you can see these trends on the... They will hold the good things up. And so if you look at the medical journals, they always have their... A lot of journals have their December Christmas special with the wacky, stupid research. Oh, these are the silly... This is the dog taking a shit in a thing. And so this that's probably a December paper, right? Because they, uh, they were... Yeah. And but the, 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 the fact that, like, it's come to this, that, like... Yeah. That you'll only get you'll you'll get a dog taking a shit on December and like cure cancer on January. So <laughs> talk about perverse incentives, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> um, so that's pretty messed up. And but then the other so so they're using this proprietary data set, right? And so it should be you should it should be uh, number of papers divided by number of citations, right? The the I mean that the the number of papers should be the denominator, but it's not. Right? They have a negotiated denominator. So nobody, and nobody knows how they negotiate them. Mm-hmm. But the top journals have all of these missing papers. And the higher the journal is, the more missing papers from the denominator. And so because they're flexible with um, certain types of content, they don't count in the denominator. But there's just all of these weird, untransparent rules. So when they have all of the news and little news, like commentary and things like this, this doesn't count in the denominator. 
and the top journals public have more more of this stuff and they and but for some reason yeah it just doesn't add up like how did they get that denominator but they do but so that the system is the system's pretty this is not a scientific work like doing it in a weird untransparent there's some weird handshakes in a smoky room that kind of has a massive impact on your on the number that basically determines scientists lives is just insane to, to me but everybody thinks it's a nobody knows this is the nobody knows these weird rules and so it's just a very messed up only system. the select few probably know about them and they're, they're sort of incentivized to keep that system going yeah in a, they, in a way that's even the publishing industry doesn't like you just i don't know it like yeah none of this stuff is written down it's just you, you kind of like so d- d- the way journals are operating is they're trying to like influence this in some ways, but it's all by, like nothing's written down, so it's all in hearsay. And, like, oh, I think if you write something like this size, it may not count in the denominator, but but I'm not sure. But like maybe so, just be safe, like be careful. And there's all of this. So, um, so but this is how the this whole industry is operating. Um, and then so then so like UK messed this whole thing up. Um, West, all of the whole of the world kind of got set, uh, obsessed with this thing. Fast forward to mainland China. <laughs> oh, taking it to the nth degree. So they are—they uh, got so obsessed with this that basically the univer- universities bid. So publication kind of equals money, right? In a in a. You get your grants renewed. It's a bit, you know, if you can if you can get this top paper, you're, it's not guaranteed, but you're you're probably sorted, and and you you know you're likely to get promotion and stuff like that. In in you know U S Europe and the like, China has it's it's so it's like so it's, you know impact factor kind of is money kind of, but it's in a sort of indirect way in China they've just done it you get this impact factor you get this much money you get this impact factor you get this much money and to crazy amounts so if you and so again it's kind of a bit secretive here but people have like crowdsourced a lot of this data got things out so on um, like Zhejiang University and some of the top universities were offering academics if you get a nature publication you get nearly $50,000 50000 US just for a one uh, one shot, yeah. Just for um, yeah, just for being a, on a, uh, like a, being the lead or corresponding author on these paper on a on a Nature paper, fifty k in the bank, right? And they and the thing is, the salaries of academics in China are very poor, right? They got a lot of good. They've they've got the, the, all of these sea turtles that have kind of gone I mean, out. They do a lot of business relationships and business and uh, enterprises as well, as well as with academia because I, I know I know that this is what. When we went to Tsinghua University, yeah. a number of the professors that we were interfacing with yeah. did this sort of thing. They had something on the side as well as... Well, you, ha- you have to because, yeah, yeah, the salaries are so poor. So you either have to do something on the side or you get your nature paper, right? And uh, they, they were doing stuff on the side because they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't a first they author. They didn't get their nature yeah, paper. <laughs> they, didn't get, they, didn't get, they didn't get the 50K. Shenzhen, to an insane extent, so they have this peacock thousand talent scheme so it's based on your portfolio as a person, but they would bring young researchers back, and there's various criteria that you can get this scheme. But one of one of the things you can do is like if you have a nature publication, they'll give you three million RMB um, 
if, if, if you could, yeah, and, and like crazy amounts of money, and it's cash in your bank account, right? It's not to your university, it's not to... So he, Jiang Kui, like, um, when everybody's like hand-wringing, like, how did, the, how did that kind of uh, clones, ba- you know, the, the CRISPR babies and stuff, how did he do that himself? He's like, I didn't use any of my university funds for this, it was all my own money. Like, how does a 29-year-old, 30-year-old guy have access to that amount of money? It was from this bloody impact factor money he got from the Shenzhen government. Like, uh, this is CRISPR baby money, right? Because it's just so... <laughs> it's so... Uh, it's so untransparent where, like... Because they, they just give you the cash and don't care what you do with it. Like, are, are you sure you're going to give me, like, half, you know, half a million US? Yeah, 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 fine. Like, what are you going to... I'm going to CRISPR babies. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> And so it's so much money involved and it's so life and death that... So there's been cases in China that... Were, so there was um, this um, like really cool, really courageous uh, blogger, kind of uh, journalist guy throwing light on the like, corruption in the, in the academic system. In China? In China. Okay. Academics who he was like he pissed off paid some gangsters to, tr- to try and kill him with a hammer <laughs> right so impact like this impact factor thing's got so bad that people have literally been attacked with hammers because of it right because it's so so much money involved and so then the it has so there's big money for the for the top publications and small amounts of money for the and, but it, and it's incentivized to you know you, know, you get impact you, you know you got impact factor 10 plus sell nature science you get a certain amount of money if you can get the journals that you publish in have to have an impact factor you won't even graduate if you are in journals that are not indexed and only a small proportion of journals are actually indexed so they Chinese they you know they won't get they they won't pass their PhDs they won't be promoted and so even if it's a useful journal like you don't exist to them uh, and and they and it's such a big deal to it's life and death for the for these yeah. for these people. Like they can only make their career yeah. if they can do. And so it unfortunately leads people to de- desperation and 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 yeah, attacking people with hammers in some cases. But the worst offenders are the medics. So the medics, medical medics, medical field? medical professionals yeah, in sure. China are they got lots of money. A lot of them have a lot of money. They're crazy busy. And unfortunately, yeah, there's very little accountability and things like, and, and, and the like. So they've got a lot of money, but they can only get promoted if they get Impact Factor 1, 2 publications, right? They, they're told that, like, you have to get a publication in an Impact Factor journal to get, to get your promotion. But they're, like, really busy, and also they don't have the scientific background and stuff like this. So what it has led to is an entire industry of paper mills. So there's companies that openly uh, advertise in China. And like I could show you some of these websites. I can show you. There's one, I haven't checked it for a few months, but I think it's, I assume it's still, still up. 518.sci and, and things like this. That they, they, they will openly, and, and so basically, what impact factor do you want? And you, and you, you kinda, pay for that. And you pay, you pay for that. It's just like, okay, okay so what field do you... Um, what kind of rough area of research do you want? And you're going to go, um, uh, yeah, I'm a cancer, you know, I'm a cancer doctor. I work in like pancreatic cancer. Okay, we'll get you a can- we'll 
so you pay us ten thousand US dollars. Has it go? It's been the going rate for an Imperfecta One Two journal. In a, and we guarantee money back in twelve months. We'll get you this publication, or, or yeah, all your money back. And so, Scott, do you think this is where it sort of ties into the the, the sort of international espionage that goes on between China exfiltrating research information from Western academics, etc.? Do you think that feeds into that paper mill? I don't think so. It because it's just incompetent, right? You actually see this stuff and like it's it's okay. I, you read this stuff and you just sort of burst it's just, out laughing. It's it's just it's it's just boring, and a lot of it is just. Non, they make a lot of sloppy mistakes. That, so the, some of the people that have discovered discovered this stuff have discovered it through typos. Right? There's just there's a database that doesn't actually exist. And then this um, there's a, 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 a researcher like in Spain. He just he saw this like what the hell is this, this database? This doesn't actually exist. And then he did a he then did some like data mining, and then he found like forty papers. All that have that seemingly have no relation to each other, like from all over China, completely different subjects. They all mention this database that doesn't exist, and then he's just kind of looking at it, and then and then he realizes, oh, it's been ghost written, and 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 then he had a Chinese colleague phoned one of these companies up, and then he so multiple people have kind of come across. So it's now a kind of. It's now been exposed very by various sources, but it was like a very dirty secret in the kind of publishing industry that there's just a lot and so th- these paper mills they they write papers to order and it's just very they so they were doing meta and like a common thing was meta-analysis so um yeah what, we, is, what is that so, we so reanalyzing previous data right and so there was a very standard so gene like you know there's twenty thousand genes in the you know in the human so they look at mutation in gene one in disease two or something and then they would do look at mutate and then and and like analyze some of the literature in some cases just fake data and stuff like this they just they kind of like have the hypothesis at the beginning and then just like generate a paper based on this and they've just got yeah just sweatshops of people just writing this like you know disease in gene one disease gene two disease gene three disease gene four every disease every gene just rewritten and then just submit it to like every single impact factor one and two journal and um and and yeah and and huge amount of so people have kind of caught wind of the these meta-analysis papers are rubbish so most of the journals have then like made pushed up the thresholds for this but then they just come up with new things like analyzing public data and for microarrays and and then and then stuff is just some of the stuff is just outright fraud because you'll see they've just recycled images from um, somebody else's paper and and um not cited at all anything like that uh well they know the you know they 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 just they they say oh yeah we did so I've seen some examples where they were, it was like mouse xenografts or something. They give mouse, like some mouse model where they give them tumors and like inject some gene in. But they, they, they and so they'd use just the same image, but say it was a different, like they had done this experiment and they'd added a different gene into the mouse or something. Right, like that. right, 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 right. And so just, just kind of, yeah. But some of the stuff is just really, really sloppy. But the, and, and, but the, way, the, the way they guarantee publication is. 
peer review fraud. So people actually came, the big publishers found out about this through the fraud, not through the, these papers. So some people, are, there's one, one guy who was really smart and found this through data mining and just seeing these weird trends in publications. But the main way that the publishers found, found this was they realized that there, were, that, there, that there was fraud. And so fake referees, um, even identity theft of like uh, editors and, and reviewers and the like. So they will suggest... Um, the, the standard one was they would suggest referees and normally if you were like a proper decent editor you'd kind of like take it with a pinch of salt that like okay they're suggesting them you may want to check like who are these people are they co-published are they but, but then you may you may choose one to like help the process but a lot of lazy editors are so busy they just automatically invite those suggested referees and so they would just create Charles Darwin at gmail.com or something like you know just like a fa- like uh, either somebody fa- or just, or just somebody completely random or uh, like a real scientist but just uh, yeah oh I, I didn't know yeah George Church had a 163.com email address but they just automatically inv- you know invite that and that was that was the that was the uh, but it just shows how shoddy the peer review process in so many journals is that they just kept kept doing this and then when it finally came to light, they would just go, oh, yeah, this fake referee reviewed this and this and this. And then these like, networks would just kind of fall apart and they'd have mass retractions. So every so often you see these mass retractions of papers in a, like a publishing house will suddenly retract 100 papers and stuff. And that's because they've cracked one of these rings and things. So, so well, it sounds like these publishing houses do actually have some sort of value in the sense that they're trying to crack these... A bit, but but it's just kind of like. I suppose that can be done with software, in a way. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So these are. So, I know. I'm just telling you a lot of the really shitty things no, this, about this, this is, shitty this industry. This is fantastic. I mean, so, getting getting the the, the, the underbelly yeah. of what's going on in China. So I mean, okay. So you you hear you hear like oh China says oh we've published more papers than than like for example the United States. So with this has been I don't so they've been on the verge of crossing the US in terms of right. numbers of publications for uh, several years now. They may have they're like right on the crossover from, point from the sound from the from the looks of it. It sounds like that all of those papers are well, most of the papers. Well, so not all are, like the the like all. the medical most the medical like the the standard of stuff in medicine is pretty poor. So there's some there's some brilliant scientists, right? And like my host talk and there's there is really good research there, but there's a lot of lot of dross. And the 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 yeah they're publishing too much stuff because they the incentive systems have just gone completely out of control the amounts of money the amount of the amount that's resting on getting this thing whether it's real or not and and fake is 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 huge and so the government just has the 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 government has to completely reform the system because they've just they've just messed they've just messed everything up like this this whole thing and and so yeah, we we get just, but it, it yeah, we just get bombarded with Chinese papers because it's like worth so much to these people, and we have to, and it, it's sad you just have to tell them right. no, yeah. and um, and then then they'll like you know some they're like my PhD student's not going to graduate unless he gets f- five publications and stuff like that. That's 
I feel really bad for them, but the government should never have set up. A, I, in my PhD, I published two papers, right? And and I was luck. I was lucky. A lot of people that don't publish any don't publish any papers in their in their PhD. Like the 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 the, the way things were set up were just not having any these bureaucrats set up these systems not actually understanding any of the consequences it's just our metric is good let's let's do this they're doing this in the uk so it must be a good thing mm. and then um but then the amounts of money and then the lack of scrutiny and as well is just kind of how about the states uh, how is the system while we're talking about broken yeah. systems yeah it might good it might be a good idea to sort of like get a lay of the land of these broken systems across the world how yeah. about the states how is the states broken or are you more familiar with that, or are you at all? Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's bro- it's broken, not in the same way, but um, but yeah, the, the 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 whole this whole system that you know they they don't have the exact system, same system of payments based on impact factor and things like this, but the but the amount of power that the top PIs do in the top institutions, um, the amount of money that's just thrown on there's the i don't know if you ever see phd comics um yes, yes. but you yeah, know they they keep their their one of their classic ones is the uh prophecy scheme where you've just got the pyramid with like all of the poor phd students and postdocs kind of trick to kind of like give their blood and sweat to just keep this very few right people testicle. on the yeah <laughs> the to, you know the people at the top of the tower so it's very it's very yeah not really that different the system is the system is just messed up and these incentive systems are just messed up and um so you know being a data person um and 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 interested in data um you get to you get to so we you know we have a pandemic now and you get to like these there's 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 a whole system of incentives and you get credit on the narrative and 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 all of these things um and there's no incentive for the data, and the data the data has value. The data has a lot of value, so people don't want to give people a lot. You know, the the data wealthy data wealthy academics do not want to do not want to give this up. And um, one really interesting thing. Um, so, um, working for you know my my day job. Would, published by BG, by BGI, right? So it's a genomics organization. It came out of the Human Genome Project. And the Human Genome Project is a really interesting example where everything, um, everything ended up in the public domain. Um, it was a, like this was a, you know, a project for, for humanity, for, um, no. you know, you, can't, you shouldn't be able to own, you shouldn't be able to own... Wasn't Craig Venter involved? Yes. So this is the Ameri- This is the Americans, right? This is right. the this is the interesting thing that, that the America ha- America had gene patents. That has a bit of a force of nature. Um, Wait, or maybe you can expand. And and they and so America, like you know, it was it was it was a very it was very interesting to see the difference between like Europe and the and the US on this project. In that, um, so it came out. It was originally funded. So the like interesting thing about the interesting thing that not a lot of people know about the Human Genome Project was um, it originally kicked off in Los Alamos, right? It was initially funded by the Department of Energy. And the reason that they were, they were interested in it 
was Hiroshima. It was so they there was a you know a pretty weird experiment went on that they like threw atomic bombs on people and they were like kind of like then after the event like we should probably try and figure out what this actually did to these people. So um, so that was the that was the start of the human genome project was. Um, it started off as a DOE thing, and then the National Institute for Health got involved after a few years, and and then and then the two partners together carried it on, and it became a health project. But it was very it's very interesting that its origins are actually like, yeah, Manhattan Project and kind of. Um, well, if you wanna if you wanna progress science, then start a war. <laughs> it's a good way to get funding, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so it went, you know, so it was publicly funded, and then um, and it became an international consortium, and and it was, a, you know, it was a, it was a, like a moonshot kind of project, right? They ended up spending, you know, uh, like ten billion or something, like a, like massive, massive thing, and so it's pootling along for a while, for like a you know a decade or so. And they're doing everything very systematically and breaking bits up and 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 um, yeah, I won't bore you with the, the no, techniques. No, 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 do bore they, me. Do bore they, me. So they're do doing they're doing they're doing like physical mapping and re- really kind of trying to link it to like physical bits of chromosomes and things that they, they so they did this like very slowly and, and systematically this and then is Craig, using the shotgun technique no so that so oh. that was before the shotgun technique and then oh. Craig Venner oh. who I think was in the NIA he was just like why are we wasting our time doing the doing it in like such a slow methodical way people just want to know the genes uh, drug companies just want to know the genes so uh, I've come up with this new technique uh, powered by some cool algorithms and he had some very smart, he had like a very smart algorithm guy behind him. Uh, let's just, let's just do shotgun, right? Let's do, let's just Can you describe cut, the shotgun so cut, cut, cut everything up into really small bits and using some clever algorithms, just kind of sticking it together. And you may, um, the, 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 some of the order may be a bit wrong in the, you know, because there's repetitive bits of the de- of the genome that are going to be hard to assemble like that. But you, you kind of you, you get good enough. It's it, it's it's good enough to do most of the stuff that you want to do with it, and it's much much quicker. And so, at this meeting, um, uh, twenty twenty, I so said this was this was this famous meeting at Colesbring Harbour. Um, where they have the Biology of Genomes conference every year and they would meet and discuss how the Human Genome Project was coming. So Craig Ventner then rocks up at the meeting one year and he was saying, all right, so I'm doing shotgun. He basically, so all of the scientists were there and he, I think he was in the NIH or something and he left and went into the private sector. He turned up and saying, I'm going to complete it like so quickly that I'm going to be done before you, you know, years before you guys. So you may as well not bother now. Like you should all, you should all stop and work on the. Ma- it would be really useful if you guys work on the mouse, right? If you, you do the mouse genome, I'm going to finish the human genome. Um, you're never going to catch me, and I'm going to own it for this private company anyway. But like, I'm going to let you use it and, and stuff like this. But it's fine. And then basically, all of the American labs apparently were like, oh god. Like, it's like, we can't, like... Fuck this guy. No, no, but no, they were, they were going to give up, right? Oh, okay. So all of the U.S. researchers were just Defeatist. like... Defeatists. They were like, we've lost. 
And then um, we like, there's no way we can, we have the funding, the NIH, all of these people are about to like throw in the towel, literally this meeting. But then, I don't know, who, so then they, uh, they phoned up the, the Wellcome Trust in the UK. So in the 90s, so this, the other interesting thing about the Human Genome Project was, it was the only, yeah, the reason they managed to complete, the public people managed to complete it was the AIDS crisis. So uh, the Wellcome Trust, um, so it's a trust built on, so they had a kind of like a pharma company and, and Henry Wellcome set this thing up like a century ago and put a huge amount of money, but they also did, they had like, uh, like a... I wonder, I wonder if Freddie Mercury, Queen and Live Aid it contributed towards the... <laughs> so, so... Uh, um, Glaxo, uh, the company that kind of came from the Wellcome Trust and then fed all the money back, um, fed loads of the money back, had all of the um, anti-retroviral, all of the decent anti-retroviral patents. So at this point in the 90s, they were making shitloads of money. They were absolutely like just siphoning huge amounts of cash. And so the Wellcome Trust, so they found out the Wellcome Trust saying, look, we're going to give, like, we're going to give up. And uh, the American, and so, so then the funder of the Wellcome Trust jumped on a plane, went, flew to flew to New York, and then so in the morning, basically everyone like last day of the conference or something, everyone's just like, oh god, this is terrible. So then the the Wellcome Trust guy came like came and just announced to everybody, we're not going to give up, right? We have more money than God, and we if like if if you all give up, like give up, but we are going to do we are going to do this in the UK. In, and they set up this big, they set up this big institute and say, we can do, we can do, we, it doesn't matter how much it costs, we're going to spend everything on this to not allow, not allow it to, uh, become, it, a to, to thing, become a proprietary thing, right? thing. Mm-hmm. like, you know, human, humankind should own this. And then the Americans then, then came back, okay, we're like, okay, yeah, I think we can do this now. I think we can, we can do this. But apparently the, the Americans were completely going to give up and it was only, the Welcome Trust with all of it. Who its... was that fellow that got on the flight? Do you remember his name? Um, uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know him. He's a really cool guy. Um, oh God, what's his? Uh, Michael Michael Morgan. Michael Morgan. So yeah. a hat tip to Michael Morgan. Uh... And also, so then he, so they, the Welcome Trust had set up this big institute and in, the Sanger Institute in Cambridge, and um, Welcome Trust was like throwing loads of money, building up this whole, whole centre. And so John Sulston, who uh, a British, British researcher was running this. So it was like Sulston and, and Michael, Michael Morgan were like, we, let's, we're not, we, and uh, Sulston really, really hated Craig Bentner. Like, he was just oh, like, we've got to get this guy. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, they, they upped the game. They kind of followed a similar approach and it was a draw. So the, in the end, um, like Venner said, his version was a bit better quality or something. But they they they'd done enough public uh, enough public data uh, and released it that basically they killed Venner's business model because nobody like nobody was going to pay money when the the public one was good enough. Yeah. So it was a draw, but in the end, they the public kind of won. Uh, but it's interesting to see that the genes that Celera uh, characterized first. They're all, they were all patented. Solera? So this was Fentner's company. Oh, Solera is Fentner's company. Okay. Yeah. 
but the ones that the Human Genome Project characterize first, and you can, and it's like interesting. People study the IP, like the IP, and Wait, how so, much. Sorry, I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay. So Celera uh, found some genes, which, and what, what's special about this? So genes? The, well, it was just the twenty thousand genes, right? Okay. And so it's a race to stick everything together, and then you annotate on the on the, and there's some. So there's some that the private people kind of managed to like claim precedence and stuff for, and patented them and have like monetized them and so but the, yeah they, they've seen that like there's people who have studied like how the the difference on the amount of research and th things that come out of like the private genes and the public genes but like this is you know you're asking what's the difference between america like you know they had they had they had gene patents that were illegal anywhere else and so like bra the, the breast cancer genes um there was a there was basically um What's her name? Mary Jean King or something? Oh no, this the, the this one group uh, basically had pretty much discovered the uh, breast can like the, the two key familiar breast cancer genes. But this um, Myriad Genetics, this American company, basically like they did this like really shortcut y kind of like boop, 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 and then um, yeah, but like patented them before just stuck patents on these on these two genes and then basically own the, the you know so in the US you, you if you wanted to know if you uh, had familiar breast cancer you'd have to pay $4000 or something oh, to get to get mm -hmm. that information mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. um, sounds like the rest of their medical system yeah so this is this is the this is the this yeah. is the difference and then finally like the supreme court t overturned after 20 years and they'd made a shitload of money from selling this information they finally overturned it so gene patents are technically not legal now but they have all of that they've got the biggest proprietary database of all of this stuff and they're not, not giving that up so this is still a problem that like still if you want to know what your mutate you can now now you are legally allowed to know your own mutations but if you want to actually put them in context it's all in this most of the information is in this proprietary database that you still have to pay them to so is, uh, uh, surely there's an open database of uh, there are open data but, but it just they've they just managed to have they, they had a 20-year head start like oh, collecting all of this stuff and yeah, yeah. yeah keep so, like, so at least we can have a little bit of context to your own just sort of genomic data in, yeah in, for, for and this is just two genes but like unfortunately they're the two most important ones for breast cancer so um this is just an example but this is a, this is an example of like site you know like silo in you know, like data silo everything should be open but people have monetized stuff in silos but it's just people are dying because of this right people are if you can you know there, there's diseases that can be cured there's there's um people you know people who are going to die who would survive if you can actually connect these pieces of information that are in that are in silos it like closed data kills people. So rent seekers, man, rent seekers, silos. Yeah, pays. Life is cheap. Life is cheap. The way it is. And so yeah, so this is this this is the kind of the thing that sort of drove us really is like breaking yeah. stuff out of silos, yeah. and trying to incentivize. There haven't been incentives for opening stuff. So we are we launched this um, journal Giga Science. Specifically, okay. To, so, gigas. Yeah. Okay, now, yeah. now we, yeah, okay. we, we've, yeah, yeah. we've we've been chugging along for an hour and a half. I, I told you okay. we'd work quickly. Eh? Right. <laughs> um, okay, so we've been chugging along for an hour and a half, and only now we're going to get into Giga Science. Yeah. So, Giga Science is a journal. It's a journal, and it's a database. 
Okay, uh, uh, before we go into... If you could imagine what um, uh, a healthily funded uh, environment for science would look like, could you expand on that? What, I mean, take all, taking in all of this information of, you know, the siloed mm. information and whatnot, how would, you, how, would you, how would you express what a healthy scientific research environment looks like and compare it to like the, because as soon as you take that thing and you put it on the market, the marketplace, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's, it, I don't think they're compatible. So, in in some senses, because so they have, you know, it's healthier in Europe, for example, right, and then it's say in North America, but like it's they have pretty free market in Europe. It's just they're not so focused on, and this is um so. Uh, the nemesis of all it's it's bob dole do you know the the um bay dole act um in the like 1983 or something so bob 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 dole you know the presidential candidate and stuff he hit one of his big legacies was this legislation in the early 80s that they passed in the u.s to monetize academic research right so Universities can get more money. And like, like, so like, all right, the, you know, we've got to think of, in, you know, innovative ways. all of these things. So, yeah, but, and so you, they, it pushes universities to uh, get IP on the things that they discover. Right. And um, so basically all of the big universities then got these technology transfer departments and units and they became very focused on... Monetize, monetize, monetize. Yeah, you say you say Europe Europe is quite in a good environment. I, I I kind of firmly disagree with you in some senses because if you look at lasers, yeah, the Germans are pretty good at it, but they've just got this very tight little circle jerk going on there in Germany, mm-hmm. and and if you want to get access to some of those top level lasers, so where do you, where are the good lasers then? Well, it's in it's in Germany. Yeah, it's in Germany, but there's only very few companies that can do that, mm. and and to get access to that is just you're going to be paying a lot of money for it. So it's, there's no way it's going to be open mm. up. You know, and, and there's these sort of like, you know, knowledge transfer kind of organizations. So all the universities have this now, but it was, the, but it was Bay Dole that was the, the, is the uh, drove this. And, and um, so everything was focused on IP, IP, IP. And so, but then the, the whole open movement didn't really kick off until the, 90, until the 90s with, you know, open source software and then you know open data after this and then open hardware after this and 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 then they did realize that like okay and there's a time and place for ip right there's there's uh, there's um you know a uh, a university can come up with a really cool thing and and um it's a good source of revenue and if it goes back and it can help the university grow but if everything is just focused on that, uh, you know, and there are there are some findings and things that like will really benefit society, and then and also the vast majority of this, the stuff that they're sticking IP on, it's never going to make it anyway, right? When you're so focused on, so this is the metric metricization of science as well. Like, okay, you have to get this. We've come up with this stupid metric for pieces of paper, right? But then there's this other. You have to get five patents a year or something like that so you're just patent you just become a patent troll 
right? And you're just you're just painting things for the sake of patenting yeah. things, and and you the patent goes on your CV, but it's like a completely useless thing that no one's ever going to do. But actually, if it may have had like a small impact if you just released it openly, but it's going to have zero impact now. You've shoved it in a silo just to put it on. Your stupid CV alongside these other stupid things. And there's all sorts of little loopholes that you can work through. Like, for example, um, uh, a, a spin-off company might say to the university, "Say, oh well, okay, the university owns the source code yeah. of of this." And then in the meantime, uh, that company, that spin-off company, has uh, found an, a source of revenue or maybe a few cheap post-grad students, and they just rewrite the source code. Uh, uh, such that the you know the university is not using any of the the, the code the yeah. university actually had in the first place. But it, but publicly funded research, you know, people have come round to, the, or at least in Europe, and the Europe has a big open, like a big open science uh, policy, right? They they and they've created this open science cloud and on, and Are you all of these. About Horizon Twenty Twenty. Uh, Horizon Twenty Twenty is just the European Union funding, like right. the current U- European yeah. funding scheme, but. They have uh, <coughs> EOSC, European Open Science Cloud, and they've got this whole they've got they've got this whole bunch of policies that that are that like so they they've come to the the they come to the all right we want to maximize the bang for our research buck so there's a you know if your IP you, you, your IP 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 some money comes back to the academia but but it's not a, that's not actually a very efficient way you know we've got this certain budget and they've come to the conclusion that. Open is the to benefit society to for for standing on the shoulders of giants. Like everything happens much quicker if you you're reducing friction, you're yeah. opening up these silos, licking stuff together. Just just don't bother. I you know just make your software open source, make your data open. One thing I quite like about this, um, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with an operating system called NixOS, which is basically it's a it's a declarative. Um, uh, essentially, it's a distribution of Linux with a declarative package manager, meaning that you're able to execute a single command and basically all the dependencies. Uh, it's basically it's a pinned universe of dependencies, and um, Horizon 2020 uh, have an agreement with the Nexos Foundation, which says that anything that the, that gets funded by this this uh, Horizon 2020, mm. the Nexos Foundation will then package it. Okay. Which means, yeah. which means that it's and it's all open source uh, software and it's all uh, reproducible, um, and and having 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 research that is entirely reproducible by a single command yeah. is, is is to me it's immensely valuable. It's immensely valuable. So, so it's more effort to wrap yeah. this and do this stuff. But then, yeah. but and so, yeah. But these are the all of these things are work, right? It's it's more work to. Um, tidy up your code and and again, you know, to um, tidy up your data, curate it, follow some data standards, put it in a re- in a in a repository, package it, package right, it yeah. put and data storage is expensive. All of these things have a cost. The 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 fun the good funders realize that you, we should work this into the cost of the yes. the actual like actually the if if the output is just this stupid narrative thing that no one's ever going to be able to use yeah. then but yeah you need to change the incentive systems beyond beyond this to the and so the funders are starting to realize uh, but academic like academics just follow the money and follow the the follow the incentive systems and unfortunately this is still the majority of the incentive systems the only people that the only people that have 
the ability to change to change things are the fun are the research funders and the journals. So because we are one of the big we're, like journals are one of the big carrots, and so this is giga science. So right? this, okay, so this, this is, is we are we're like we're trying to we're trying to be a tasty carrot that is rewarding people doing things a bit differently. So ladies and gentlemen out there, if you want to get really good, you know, bang for your buck. Go publish on Giga Science. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> so, what is Giga Science? It's a it's a so new it's model. a it's a it's a journal and a database, right? Okay. So we give people that credit for sharing their data and their software and their reproducible other oh. o- other objects, right? The stuff that unfortunately it's it's more work, right? It's work and effort. So, and traditionally you wouldn't get any credit for this. People need this paper-shaped object that they understand on their CV and their funder understands and their... And every, so we basically hijacked this stupid narrative thing, but it's just a wrapper for the data, right? So effectively you're sharing the data, but it looks like this. So we have a description, like, an, like a narrative description, push them to give a load of useful information, like, like I collected it like this, I... I um, I've done some validation and shown that it works. But the key thing is, there's a uh, a digital object identifier. There's a link at the end of the paper. When you say digital, digital, digital object, object, is it cryptographic material? Um, so, it, like, it's just a URI. It's just a, um, okay. it's like, it's just a more stable URL, right? Okay. So we we don't we don't need to do crypto like it's all it's you know it be it's open like it's just it's it, yeah it, it's nice okay so, um okay, does it there work? are people playing around with mm-hmm. I've seen yeah playing trying to like throw well, blockchain I, I'm and stepping stuff in into your way this. you you keep yeah. going you yeah. keep going keep yeah. with your explanation there's some people there's some people that try, who are like seeing if blockchain is a nice way to, to track the provenance of all of these things no, but when, when i say cryptographic material it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean blockchain i mean it yeah. could just be a signature of yeah yeah okay so so you've got this uh, uh and so it just links to the data repository that we've built and we can store terabytes of data here and and this is the stuff that people want so we have a team we we spend a lot of money right we've got a team in the of three curators who who actually uh get their hands dirty, organizing the data. We make a long-term commitment to the preservation. We're hosting this. And so we're backpacking, like piggybacking on... So, yeah, we're piggybacking on BGI's infrastructure to store all of this stuff, right? It has a cost, but they've got supercomputers and yeah. all of this stuff. So One of the most advanced... Um, yeah, well, like, we, we've, got, we've got a lot of... And we thought, right, there's tens of... They, they basically wanted to have a journal, Um as a kind of prestige thing, um, and recruited uh, me and a few other people um, 10 years ago to set this up. But there's tens of thousands of journals just doing this same stupid thing. And we've, we are in a, an amazing position in that we've got, like, they've got a thousand bioinformaticians, they've got supercomputers, they've got all this stuff. So it's like, we were saying, let's focus on the, let's, let's, you know, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder as well. I was very pro open access and open data and things like this. And like, let's, Let's do things differently. Let's try and focus on the on the data rather than the stupid narrative. And and so yeah, so that that's what we did. But we've made it simple enough, like close enough to the this thing that people get the credit from that they can at least they sort of under 
like people will still understand it. But like the key thing is, what the, do you mean? It's, you've made it close enough. I, um, so it's still like you get a, like we were we're still we're a journal. Like okay. we are we are technically a journal. We're indexed in these stupid repositories. We have the the impact factor and all of those kinds of things that they still need for their CV. Like we hate all of this. We like we're. Un but we like we've we've registered it and and given that we we refuse to list it on our website and we've signed a declaration never to um, list the people's repositories on your website. What the, do you mean list list what list what on the website? The 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 impact factor, right? This, oh, this cheap, I see. This web of science thing, like we're index, like we're, oh, it, I see. they're indexes that make our content more discoverable. But we don't brag about our we don't brag about the thing that the people in China make money from and all of this kind of stuff okay. like we, we're sort of playing the game a bit but we do it to you know, you know, it's credit a, people yeah, a different way it's, it's interesting you, you say this I mean I, the first thing that sort of comes to my mind is is it, one of my favorite game developers um, his name is Jonathan Blow and I love playing his games I, I really love them and for the simple reason is that the way he looks at these games is, is completely different to the rest of basically the rest of the world of, of game creation mm -hmm. and you know you, you would say oh I, I like this story because it's got a great storyline oh, he, he hates that sort of thing you know, the whole narrative he hates it so he's distilled these games down into mm -hmm. the pure essence of essentially puzzle solving so you're confronted with a, a problem in front of mm -hmm. you, you there's chaos there's confusion and then all of a sudden after looking at it a little bit deeper and then suddenly you see insights and then you see the solution and then boom there's like a sort of like a clarity mm. enlightenment that sort of happens that's what his games revolve around mm. he stripped everything away except for just that sort of enlightenment thing so essentially so we are could, like could we say that you've done something so similar and then you just focus on the data we still have a bit of narrative and stuff in there but like we're minimizing and like ultimately I, yeah i <laughs> I kind of a bit in the back of my head. I'm a bit like, there's there's you, there's places for narrative. Maybe 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 like you know you can have a TED talk or something every so often that like ties together all of the all of these sort of. The, the, there's a sort of, but uh, stroke but, your ego, stroke your ego. Yeah, and the, like there is a, there are there are still stories to be told from, you know, in science, but so much of it is just shoehorned onto what essentially is just the data. Um, so we just, we, we just, we're like, we're the, we're, we're a bit kind of the anti-narrative journal in a way. Like we, well, like we, we still, we, we still do narrative, but be very, the thing we really care about is the data. And so we've got this new project launching that is, that's really taking things even more to, to, um, to the to the data and even less now like even less narrative focus and, and and i can see so so in our papers we go we go to the effort so all of our so we're completely open access our corpus is completely open for data mining and stuff and this is another thing that the like elsevier and the they are they're seeing so there's this growing open access movement um there's a big push and sci hub and things like this are potentially driving this as well that like people are not putting up with the fact that I paid for this stuff in this day of age, day and age, how do we have, still have like these paywalls and, and yeah. things like this? You know, like yeah, I, um, I have no kid, problem. Kid, young people just can't understand paywalls at all. Like yeah, when, when I have they, no like, problem going to Sci Hub whatsoever, um, whatsoever. Yeah, um, I'll continue. Yeah, 
Well, like, all our stuff is open, so so we don't, like whether you know you can access it in Sci-Hub, you can access it from our homepage. Okay. But we we deliberately make it at like machine readable. People can people can just pull it and do whatever whatever they want with it. Um, and so then, but also we're putting lots of um, uh, various identifiers and things in to make it more machine readable as well. Like basically, and 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 data mineable. So basically, we we want our stuff to be understood in the future so much of stuff is going to be read by computers and not by humans right there's so much there's so much literature there that you know it's 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 been a people complain like oh there's so many papers i can't read everything you've never you haven't been able to read everything for like decades right there's just so there's we're just in this big you know like uh what are they calling it in the maelstrom um, infodemic like you know there's an infodemic or, um, oh yeah right um, <laughs> infogenin or something <laughs> yeah so so yeah humans are not humans can't keep on top of this stuff we, but we've, we're really focused on letting the letting the machine letting basically letting machines, machines under, understand and, and and pass and, and combine all of this stuff um, so this is yeah this is kind of this is sort of where are where people we're going. now using it, or are they already publishing stuff on it? Is it so, is it production ready? So well, so Gigasat. So we launched in 2012 with the main with this main journal. Um, it's hard at the beginning because what we were doing was quite different to other to other journals, um, and it's more work. Like we're asking people to do a lot, a lot of a lot of extra jump through a lot of extra hoops because it's the it's the data right and if you want just some throwaway narrative thing you've still got another you know in a world of 20,000 journals there's another 19,999 that you can do this stuff but we're just like okay let's we want to do something different and so it was hard work at first getting yeah you have to and you're, you're not indexed initially you don't have the, your impact factor you don't have any of these things so it's the the odds are the odds are against you, right? It's a system where the number one journal has been number one medical journal has been New England Journal of Medicine for two hundred years. Everything is set up not to let young guns come in, but we okay. We, we're doing this stuff, and there is a there's a the the old school scientists they go you know they do this, but there are a lot of people who are pissed off with the system. There's enough people that you, you start making a dent, start getting stuff. Um, we we slowly got indexed by the by these places, and so then it becomes then it becomes suddenly when we got indexed in Web of Science, our um, the amount of sub- and it takes you need to collect two over two years of data um, and and all of the all of the stuff, and they give they didn't they gave us a pretty flat denominator, so we're not they don't if we if our first impact factor if we um, in terms of numbers of if. We'd had a flat. If everyone, if every journal had a flat denominator, um, in our first, without this like missing data and weird handshakes and something like this, it, our first impact factor, we would have had a higher, a higher number than the Lancet. Wow. So, um, because like we've got really usable stuff, right? We've got uh, like. Um, it's not got sexy narrative, but actually, when it's, people cite our stuff, it, it's, it's super usable. And, and so, and so, then yeah. people then like sort of started to notice us, going, "Wow, okay, yeah, you guys have done it." And there's been a lot of copycat journals. A lot of the other big publishers have have basically launched uh, launched um, 
basically data journals now. So you know, in, you know, imitation is the most uh, you know uh, form of you know sincere form of flattery and the like. So we we we've done what well. and so when we got the impact factor, our citations quadrupled overnight. Uh, no, our submissions quadrupled overnight. So we're you know we're begging, stealing, and and, and it, it, it's ridiculous. Like with the same journal, we were on you know. June 29th but on June 30th because we got the impact factor suddenly um, we, everybody wants to be your friend now all of the people who are ignoring your emails for for three years suddenly like hey I met you at a conference last year hey you're my mate hey, suppressing the fuck off yeah, and then these and then zero Chinese submissions and then overnight just boom because you're worth a certain amount you're worth we are a quartile one we're in the top Quartile, and so suddenly you become. And so, the the Shenzhen funding scheme that um, you to get in the to get in the uh, that you could get three million dollars if you're you you publish in Nature. We were worth if you had three papers in Giga Science, you because you were Q one, you would be worth one and a half million or something Ooh, like whoa. crazy. So <laughs> so suddenly like you become boom. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Uh, having, having made a, several multi-millionaires over a in bit, China. A bit dirty. <laughs> so, but we, like, we want to, like, yeah, we're pissed off with the system, right? It's complete sure. nonsense. So, yeah. um, so anyway, so, yeah, and so we're publishing, like, 150 papers a year. Um, having to um, reject a lot, a lot a lot more stuff now, we kind of, and, and, and so, our, like, our hosts organize, you know, we, want, we sort of, you have to reject stuff like you have to reject stuff to you have to be have some level of selection to okay this is a whole this is another dimension yeah you can have open publications yeah but now we've got review how are you handling the review this is hard with this is hard with data so we so the curator like we actually have you know full-time people on staff three curators data scientists that we can get them to actually, so they 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 the curators curate every every paper and and they're looking at the data and can so there's there's, there's eyeballs there there's odd papers that have these all like workflow systems and stuff we can throw our data our data science it's a lot of a lot of work but there's odd papers we get our data science in but we basically we, we do peer review the traditional way we find we. I, I invite peer reviewers and but what the thing we do different from most journals are is we won't send it to peer review unless until we have the data so we've got a kind of system set up we've got either it's in they have it in a public repository already or we have big ftp servers um so we spend a week or two like interact get, getting the data copied over onto our servers in shenzhen and then, or we can put them in AWS short term or something like this. And then, so then when we have all of that, only then will we send out to review. Every peer reviewer, we then saying, look, and here is the data. So whether they peer review that or not, you it's, it's because very few journals do like do this. Um, and so peer reviewers are not really used to data, but we try to invite the more younger hipper data people and we know there's certain there are certain reviewers who are super stringent and it may take them a bit longer but they they will actually like test the data and uh, but the, just the fact that the data is there like whether or not they look at it like the fact that that's still a step beyond any of these other 
things that like at least the data was there another thing we do is open peer review so traditionally it's been an, an like an anonymous thing but we actually so one of the like we're not the first journal to do this but like quite early on we were very pro if you review for us you actually have to sign this and put your name on this and it some some people do find this uncomfortable but actually being the problem the problem with peer review is so there's the there's the reviewer three syndrome right reviewer three is like always a it's always that reviewer three is a complete bastard and um and you don't know is reviewer three like are they actually the the author's always like reviewer three is totally biased it's that Reviewer 3 is my nemesis. Why did you invite my nemesis to peer review this? But Reviewer 3 has all of the power, right? Because they are anonymous. Yeah, the they are, yeah. they are, and, and so they may, yeah, they may be completely unfair. They may be doing something completely unfair. But, like, a lot of the time, actually, every time I've ever had the, when I was working on journals that were closed peer review, they're like, you invited my nemesis, you like bastard i told you not to do that but it's like when you you know you know the names and it's like uh, that was the reviewer that you suggested <laughs> it's, they always they always get they always got it wrong but but even then even when you have closed peer review they always think it's reviewer three but but you can't like it's quite it's often quite easy to guess who the even it's often quite easy to guess who the reviewer is just from the way they write the questions they ask or that if you're in a small field everybody you you can you can kind of guess that anyway even when it's closed and you're protecting anonymity you like it's not really that anonymous right there's the but so anyway we but we throw all of that out and just you have to you have to be open so the authors know the reviewers the reviewers know the authors and so hope hopefully there's a lot more fairness in that right you you're not you're not having that douchey reviewer three do you have colluding so what do you mean by colluding right because well, it I mean, because if you it, know who your reviewer is yeah then i'll slide uh, some mula underneath the table to you so but things everything is transparent right and so if it passes review at the end every so there, there is so the re- readers can the readers can take all of this stuff into account and so like if if the, if there is just this really egregious like how the hell did this get published and you kind of like you the, the, the reviewers are kind of risking their own reputation if they do something something like really kind of ridiculous you just the sit the this whole kind of closed system is you can get collusion and and even you know you can potentially guess who this person is or there's all of the fake referees and things like at least if you're being at least if you're everything is everything should either be so a lot of people push um double blinded review as well um and I think the fairest things are everything should be because the the if it's not if the authors are not blinded then um, oh, could you explain what double blinded means so, for our audience who, who might not know so if it's so single blinded right the you know who the authors are but you don't know who the like so one one party are anonymized and not the other party and and but there's there's bias there because it protect like. The, the the anonymous party can do what the hell they like, but then also they are swayed by the and they could still they know who the author is even if even if it's blind the reviewer can 
email their author and just go, hey, uh, you know, give me, you know, I'll... I, go out uh, for a night on the town, we'll yeah. uh, discuss later. Yeah, so so that, that there's no prote- there isn't protection from that anyway. There isn't the uh, so if you blind the, if you blind the all and and also if like it's some big famous science scientist on the okay I'm obviously this is a good paper because because it's like uh, because it's somebody famous and that that, that must that, be right that, that yeah that create and they are, people are softer on the on the famous scientists and and if it's uh, you know, there, there are all these. But, oh, this person's in India. It's a, it's a, it's a woman. It's a, there's all, there's all of these kinds of um, biases. So, so the fa- so, if if you blind both parties, so you don't know who the who the author, the reviewers don't know who the author is, the the author doesn't know who the reviewers. That's 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 super fair. Or you just do everything. Everybody knows who everybody is. It's transparent, and you just take this into account. It may be right, it may be wrong, but at least when you read it, you can kind of like, okay, I know this reviewer, this this is, and, and, and like, but mo- the majority of the system is in this kind of like uh, compromised half and half system. So anyway, so we've got, anyway, we've gone, we've gone one way and do everything, um, so do, do everything, trans- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's also crediting, it, like, it is more work doing, like, peer-reviewing oh, data yes, and things course. like this, yeah, so true. we're actually giving them the credit, yeah. and so we actually give the reviewers, um, each review gets a digital object identity, so it's almost like a mini-publication in itself, and you can cite the peer reviews, and the peer reviewers can stick this on their CVs, and put it in their, kind of, online, on their online, um, list of you know works and things like this and and so this is so this is like another thing that we've been doing um how does how does you know i always i always if you want to understand a system yeah know how the money flows how does the money flow through this system so uh, so open access publishing is is a has been a model for so this is breaking the whole so currently publishing you know and uh, it, it was subscription based right you have to pay for very like libraries ha- the, the university libraries have to pay for a subscription or you buy the individual articles for like thirty dollars hundred dollars in some cases and the subscriptions are ridiculously uh, like yeah ridiculously pricey so open access came along in the late 90s where it changed the model that like somebody has to pay for it but let's make the author pay rather than the readers and so then the, it goes into the public domain like that basically the cost goes at, at, at that you know at that point and then it's in the then it's basically in the public domain and everyone can read it for, forever more and and it can be hard for authors to have to pay for you know to pay for this uh, there are you know some people well Elsevier and the kind of closed access people who don't want their kind of model um and revenue streams broken were like oh but you know pay to publish and uh, how like um uh is is this you know this this just means What's um pay to publish you, you, you like oh pay to publish pay to oh, publish see, right yeah, so mm-hmm. is like is this going to um this so what what was thrown at thrown at uh, open access was that like yeah there's just a big bias there the the open access publishers is going to publish everything for the money they've got no incentive to reject stuff um, but it's 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 not true but if you are just publishing 
everything then people can people can tell that right you can and and you'll just kill your reputation the way you are judged on these on these citation metrics and so if you're just publishing rubbish then no one will want to publish with you so um uh, there's been um yeah the uh, there's been some very high quality very selective open access journals um and and the funders have basically been pushing this more and more and more because they realize so it there's more bang for your buck right they're funding this research they want people to read it and and it is the the costings are it's cheaper so they i i my previous job the re, the reason bgi recruited me and stuff to set up this journal is i worked with the first commercial open access publisher by med central and um they launched in 1999. Um, so the NIH and the, like the European National Institute of Health, US funders tried to set up a kind of open access, wanted to set up an open access, the first sort of open access journal and stuff, and it didn't quite, they couldn't quite pull it off. And so um, this guy in the UK was like, I'm, I'm just going to do this as a, as a business. And he had to put his own money in for seven years, but then managed to make make a profit and then uh springer like the number two publisher bought it out like after they, it made he proved he proved that open access could be could be profitable but the margins are not as it's not a 40 percent margin it's like a 10 percent margin or something like and the and the and so all of the calculations are that it's more cost effect it's the funder is going to pay it, it it's it still has a cost but it's not extortionate like uh, this whole this forty percent profit okay. margin. So, so, so. Giga, in Giga Science, uh, the author is is required so, yes. to pay. Yeah, and and the order of uh, how much do they need to pay? Uh, our a article processing charge is two thousand US, about two thousand. Two thousand euros and, and two thousand yeah two thousand US does that, dollars. What does that cover? I mean. Uh, everything so the whole massaging of data putting it into things but and then, unlimited ho- and hosting forevermore like but, we will but that, 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 that doesn't seem to work because I mean you know b- bandwidth is an ongoing thing and it also can be pretty expensive so it's like uh, it's, you know you're relying on other people's uh, continuous payment to be able to pay for this dude's uh, uh, data dissemination uh, 10 years ago so the the with exponential growth in data right with so yeah, what was right. a lot of data 10 years ago is a, is a, is not so much now there's there's that that helps so we've piggyback our storage our storage and hosting is a lot cheaper because we're using our our tens of terabytes of data is like very small potatoes in bgi's Tens of petabytes of data. Okay so, so, okay, so you're able to do this because you're able to piggyback on, yeah. on, on BGI's infrastructure. And then there are, so, and then a lot of the data does, end, we don't necessarily have to host it. A lot of it ends up in, and we work with the, if there are public repositories for particular data sets that the government are funding, we help them get it into, get it into those. And so then we don't need to worry about, it. we just put the accession number in our paper and uh, and and the actual the actual narrative part is that there's this there's um long running uh archives for that so even if we 
fold. There are um, various archives that guarantee the you know the this narrative should be saved forevermore. So we piggyback on. There's a lot of infrastructure out there. You know, it has a cost, but we pay those subscriptions up front and then if we go down for example there's a dark archive called clocks that if any public it's a it's a it's a dark archive what is it it's called so so apparently so it's not public right it's until something goes wrong and then they so it's it's like they they host it between multiple universities around the world on their servers and so then if a journal who's been paying the subscription to that goes bankrupt then they then they basically will it's a bit like uh the internet archive and and stuff like this but internet archive is available at all like 24 7 right but they 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 only come on the scene when things go wrong and then they just bring okay bring so, the content so, back. so in this example we've got a series of journals they all get together in a, in a gentleman's smoking room and say, okay, yeah. let's set up a, a place where we all put our stuff. We don't yeah. publish it open. Yeah. If one of us goes under, that data is not lost. Yeah, so and this then, is what then, clocks it. Clock, clocks and locks. Lots of copies keep safe. For, and then clocks is another, it's like another end. Anyway, so, so there's ver- there's ver- yeah, there's, there is all of this infrastructure that we, that we pay into and participate in if things go wrong. Okay, and, and okay, so this is this has been running for what since two thousand thirteen, did you say? Yes. Thirteen. And and two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve, thirteen. And we've done you know, we've done well. So we have Turning s- a profit? Uh not yet. But um as the you know, the submissions come up we get more we get more revenue. The data side is expensive. And the, but the just data deciding you mean data dissemination or data yeah, having to pay for three curators and things oh, like I this that, that like the headcount is higher like we you know we we we're making a reasonable amount from the papers but it doesn't quite cover all of the data side but but it's small money for BGI and we're in the non we're in the non profit part of BGI so we don't actually they want you know we want to be sustainable but we don't we don't need to we don't need to turn a big fat 40 percent profit margin like um right right certain, like, like yeah <laughs> um but we've had to the expensive thing has been the um so we've co-published with commercial publishers right the to get set up um there are all of these handshakes and things that go on in dark, smoky rooms to be indexed and thing, and to be in, and to be indexed is the key thing. There's pub, like there's publishing infrastructure. There's the databases you need to go in. There's marketing. There's think there's things like this that are quite hard to do on your own. So we've um, we spent five years uh, published by co-published by um, by Med Central. Bring a open access publisher, and then we move to Oxford University Press, who are the world's largest and possibly oldest. Them or they or Cambridge University Press are like the oldest academic publishers, um, and so they we basically con- contract with them. Um, but the publishers and the infrastructure they use costs a lot of money. So the this is why. So journals themselves do not make much money 
but publishers make lots of money. So we're a journal, not a publisher. But what so but the what the next step and and the and the infrastructure as well. So the, all of the publishing infrastructure like it went web in the nineteen nineties. But there's only a couple of platforms that um everything is published on. And also so Elsevier and these these sorts of um and the publishers as well, as they see uh, open access encroaching on their uh, business models, um, they're changing their business model to get... They, they, they realise that in the next decade or two, they're going to be pushed out of the selling content market. So they are pivoting to the analytics and owning the infrastructure market. Um, so assisting the people to do their research, so, so providing like AWS kind of infrastructure with like a standard libraries to be able to do transformation. It would be nice if so they're owning the publishing platforms, they're owning the preprint servers, and also the the they they're preventing people data mining content, and they're trying to get as much build proprietary products built on all of the stuff that they're analyzing they make so elsevier they're the people really hate them right they are the they are the in the whole open access movement and they and like a decade decade and a half ago like a decade ago they were paying they were really trying to close down open access so they're paying the very a they're very the, yeah. very aggressive lawyers and lobbying congress and and things like this. So they they made a lot of enemies, and and people people don't like them. But their stuff, their infrastructure actually works really well. Like they got a lot of money, and they 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 have very very nice tools and everything. Their stuff actually works the best. Um, and there's kind of open source options and like the hip young open access stuff. Their stuff doesn't work as well as the. But the infrastructure is horrible, right? The 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 journals are charging very very large amounts of money for all of this stuff and they do a really crappy job so it can like it can take two months to typeset your articles they make so many errors they you put and the, the software is so buggy that like everything is controlled by a couple of these publishing platforms and if you want to change the code base is like decades old if you want to change anything you have to pay them like quarter of a million dollars and like it's just insane no other industry in the world would put up with the crap that the publishing industry but it's just there's not been any pressure on them to change on on and you know such a small number of players involved that like everybody's just very happy with this but there's a huge potential for for this is a this is a this is an, an industry that like stuff ha- has to change and there's pressure from the funders and the public and you know Sci-Hub throwing a hand grenade in oh. and just kind of like <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening so our hands have been a bit t- we've done a lot of cool stuff with Giga Science but we're still stuck with this old-fashioned very messed up publishing infrastructure we have to pay the partners we work with the most of the money right so this there's the the we, we're spending a lot of stuff and we're giving most of the money away the to archival stuff um I mean, where's the money going to 
production, marketing, the typesetting, the but why platforms. Don't people sup- I mean, okay, don't you use LaTeX? Uh, yes, but, you're... but they well, they pretend they use LaTeX, and they say we take LaTeX, LaTeX, and then people submit it, and then doesn't compile. Yeah, so then they just throw it all away, and then they they say, and then like rebuild the articles again from scratch, um, and and think like things like this. You just when we actually look under the hood, you're just kind of go, oh, goodness, this is this is horrendous. This is horrendous. So anyway, so the so we've done we've done really well, but our hands have been a bit tied in some things. So the next thing we're working on is our own infrastructure or like new modern web web literate um everything in xml screw like if you want a pdf okay just generate that thing generate that thing at the end but like but our readers are not like you know maybe a very small number of people are going to want to print something out but that's not that's not our readership everything is focused on xml and into like inter you know interactive content like why not have lots of plugins and and, and you know, this is the web now right this is everything you should be able to like yeah. in, interact with your stuff yeah. so and you can't do that with the current with the current platform so we've been working with a um a published the current giga science platform you mean or well so we we're collaborating with um a uh so they're not a publisher they've come out of typesetting industry but um but the but the founder Carver um, Bazargan is very funny that he says like I should be out of business. He he's got, I, I, I I've got a similar chip. Like I think publishers should be out of business, and he thinks typesetters should be out of business. So we're sort of teaming up to like put all of ourselves out of business. And, and um, so he he's been going twenty thirty years. He's a physicist. He's an optics guy actually, a holographer who got into LaTeX very early on, um, got in with uh, Indians. So he, he's a Imperial graduate like myself in the UK, um, British Iranian uh, like myself. And um, oh, so the two of you hit it off. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he basically very, uh, um, there's loads of fantastic uh, like maths graduates in, in, in India, especially in South India, um like himself and so he basically built up a company getting like very well educated indian uh science and maths graduates um to basically they had the best latex especially for equations and and re- like really complicated latex in the business automated more and more of it They've got this fantastic compound in um, in Kerala. This big eco sustainable. Um, they, they're doing they're doing really well um, in the whole coronavirus lockdown. That they they um, especially Kerala's really sorted everything out as well. Um, that uh, yeah, every, every they, they, this compound they grow their own food. They 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 sort of do it. and so he's got loads of developers and. And so working with him, yeah, basically built a platform from scratch um, that everything will run in everything will run XML. Um, it cuts out a lot of the really expensive, uh, costly stages, mostly like the 
production proofing typesetting, you're effectively just pushing a button. Um, and it, there may be a very small amount of human intervention, just if the figures don't quite look perfect, you may, a human may need to like tweak a couple of things, but effectively it's cutting out like a huge big part of the publication process, really massively reduced the time and cost. Um, and doing everything, yeah, just throwing away all of this uh, uh, code base. So anyway, yeah, we are, we're, we're launching what we are calling Gigabyte. So, so it's a fusion of the two, or are you bringing in his work? So we're using his platform, but our, our data, our expertise working with data. But all of the compromises that we've had to make on, okay, we need to, uh, you know, we need to make, we need to be very selective and because uh, our publisher wants us to be like highly ranked and, and, um, and, and papers need to kind of look this way. Um, you, it, uh, everything's focused on the PDF and things like that. We're kind of just throwing away loads of these um, preconceptions. Um, yes, things need to be uh, like archivable in the long term. Yes, we'll have a PDF, but all of these interactive parts, then we'll just have like a little thumbnail in there and a, and a link out to the dynamic parts. And, and everything will be focused on like the dynamic version um, and more focused on smaller but useful data sets and code. And um, mu like much cheaper, um, getting credit for things that you don't normally get credit for interactive um bells and whistles and things that no other journal has and um uh doing everything in xml um we break it down other barriers basically like the you can just change you can just push a button and change the font to like for visually impaired people dyslexics change the language if you like ch um um yeah, we, 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 this is the, anyway, yeah, this is what we're, uh, and we're, we're launching in the next month or so. Oh, so, that's, that, well, that's yeah. terribly exciting. Mm -hmm. so that's what's been keeping us busy. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the, how, how does the money work with this system? Uh, you have to pay to, is it, is it a SaaS? Uh, so, again, we're like, starting off with an article processing charge but our costs are going to be much much smaller so um we want it to be affordable we want to break down that the kind of affordability barrier work in and and the beauty of xml right having, having everything in xml is and and so the, also this is the way everything has been focused on like this narrative thing and also proof uh, so um version of record Right, and there's a lot of um, practices. Um, the way you write a paper, it, it, it has to be it, it, it's the version of record, and it's um, a kind of like one-off story, right? And and nothing can be, and basically it mustn't change, and it mm -hmm. and and um, it has to be unique. But the way people do research now, it it's. It's much more like software development, right? Where you inc incrementally, you, you just make iterative changes to things 
um, version 1, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and, and the same with data as well, right? You, you may create raw data, you may create a new version of it, you may process it and, and reanalyze, and, and you have these big consortia product projects that are, um, have just lots of incremental outputs. But in the traditional system, you would just get credit like once, or you may, you got like your first, you have to like save up a load, you save up a load of things and it takes a load of time and, and there's no incentive to share the stuff before. Mm-hmm. And then you do, okay, and here's our big project. And then maybe it, it's, it's ongoing, but you have to wait like five years and then like, here's our like updated project. But you, like you, you want people to actually release the intermediate products project and, and like probably the entire history. Yeah, like the, the whole history yeah. and 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 the, and the the parts before that. Like, why sit on it until yes. it until? Um, so do you, do you do it in the form of a Git repository or? Uh, so we are looking at version control, really. Yes. Like, and so we're looking at update papers. So this is this is we haven't quite. But there's more to it than just writing the paper. You see, there's yeah. a bunch of code that's associated with it. Um, so, like, you know, you could have Python scripts which are associated with, yeah. which actually generate the which actually generate the data and even the graphs. So we always so we've always been asking for the we want the we want the GitHub repository there. So we will take a well the version used in the paper. So we're even doing this with GigaScience, the version of the use in the paper, we'll take a snapshot of that because somebody could delete the GitHub repository, Excellent. right? So we 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 always ensure that what whatever version was used in the paper, there's a permanent archive of that. Um, if they've used Jupyter notebooks, we'll link link those in. Um, at this, uh, like something in Docker Hub, we'll stick that link in and, and stuff like that. But this this new journal will be the paper will almost be couldn't potentially have versions, and and um, and you can fork things as well, right? Like so, somebody else in in theory could um, somebody else in theory could. Uh, Take somebody else's research and then and then then adapt and yeah you've got you've got a fork right but okay so w- the, you, you're adopting the typical uh, open source uh, uh, software model to, yeah. to, to, to this uh, this this approach and of course uh, this means you you need certain licenses um, but everything is openly licensed so this is, so gigabyte and so you see the logo we've, we've got, actually got, we've got a fork. the marketing coming through yeah, yeah. yeah. so we, we actually we've actually stuck a fork in the in the no, logo this is cool research release fork update repeat rinse and repeat yeah so this is the whole this is the whole concept of it right and Bro, so this is I like this a lot what how, do, how okay so how do you handle licenses um, so we just default so default for what? Uh, share and share alike. So narrative content CCBY as yeah, but different, default. There's, there's different so software then. So if we're publishing software, so data we uh, insist that it has to be CC zero, right? So complete public domain waiver, no legal uh, requirement for attribution, but it's a like attribution is never a legal thing anyway right if somebody doesn't yeah. it's a, it's a gentleman's agreement and but there is a the, there is a problem so the recommendation for research data it uh, is i cc0 is the is the is the dream right this is the 
the the best thing because there is an, a potential issue with attribution stacking, right? So as data sets are combined and you know you combine data set upon data set upon data set, you you will eventually lose track of small parts of it. And just CC zero, you'll try to attribute as long as you can, but it may break down, and that's that's fine. And at that point, once it's once it's so so stacked then then you're such a tiny part of it it doesn't even matter right, so right, so right, that right. so data we default cc so narrative ccby data cc0 and then if we're publishing software it just has to be under a, a osi license any we don't we don't like most people are doing gpl two three MIT are the most popular can ones. Man, can you mandate a particular license and just so, say that's the way it is? So, well, this is the... So, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, yes. right? We we are... we are You get... We're a, we're a carrot, right? We You get something... And so we have the power... We have the power to do this. And if someone's pissed off, that's fine. There's another 19,999 journals they can go to. But if you want to come with us, our selling point is... We don't back down, and, um, and know, we all love to sort of like you hmm. know bike shed licenses. But I, I think maybe using the Mozilla public license V two might be a good way forward because in this way, uh, it's it basically it's a share and share like license, like the GPL, except it's yeah. file level, which means that you can actually incorporate the software into your 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 let's say your business, you're running a business. You can incorporate it in, into your proprietary uh, uh, work, yeah. And the share and share alike does not propagate into the proprietary work. Your 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 closed source yeah. stuff. But if you make any changes to that that code, then it would be expected to uh, um, release those changes. Yeah. And the same works with um, um, with you know you can actually include MPL projects into other. Uh, open source licenses, like yeah. GPLs, etc., like that. So it, it, it's a very, it's a very. The Mozilla, it's also yeah. a, very, it's a very hacker-friendly license, yeah. and it's a very business-friendly license. So you mix the both both worlds together very okay. nicely. Because I, I think the, the Mozilla license are, are, are OSI approved licenses. Oh, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. So, so we we haven't got we haven't drilled in more okay. more than we just say oh, as I'm long as as, as long yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> We we tried to be kind of just agnostic and yeah. and just gone like OS like just do an OSI one. So our own code, everything that we've been building, we uh, they, all of the GigaScience code is GPL. Oh, dude, it's actually open source. Yeah, yeah, we have to like eat our own dog food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, ask this question on. Yeah, yeah, no, we 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 you know we have to. We've, we're pushing people to be open and and, and yeah. transparent and, and everything like that. So we have to do the same thing ourselves. So yeah. So are you, would you say this is one of the first journals which has actually pushed the envelope so far? I'd like to say you know. All right. Like, you can uh, stuck. You can yeah. puff out your chest a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's been you know uh, uh, so there's a few cool there's a the big. Trad publishers have then done sort of, uh, they've all launched their own kind of data. Elsevier has one, yeah. Springer Nature has a data journal. They all kind of, they follow, they have the, we didn't invent the data journal. There's been subject specific ones. They're like environmental, earth sciences have been, uh, they're a community, they've been sharing stuff for a long time. But 
a kind of general broad purpose one you know we launched in 2012 springer na- like nature launched their one in 2014 elsevier in 2015 um there's there's a there's a yeah it it, it on the data side there's been um a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a We've been our hands have been tied because we're stuck with all of this legacy infrastructure and publishing and stuff. There's a journal called uh, JOS, Journal of Open Source Software, very cool. Um, and because they they do they've done everything in GitHub and um, and their their costs have been like super super low. And um, it's you know it's all been run by volunteers. Um, they, Gigasun has had to pay my salary, but I'm a, like this is my full time job. I, I'm I'm more expensive. They've done they've done everything themselves. Also getting grants from like I think Mozilla and things like that. The cool the, the thing that I've thought was most cool is that they actually have worked. In, the editors are bots. So yeah. Oh really? Uh, Okay. Expand. So just a lot of it is a lot of the standard. Hey, you've submitted your paper. Oh, Uh, okay. So the GitHub bots basically. um, Yeah. Saying okay, they've automated so much, so much of it. So much of it. And and have you done X Y Z? Even so, they get humans to do peer review, but they're using like they're doing it in Git. They're issuing, you know, pull requests and back and forth because it's all in Git. It's super super cool. Um, and so they've got uh, GitHub bots, but as soon as you know GitHub, you know they're they're owned by Microsoft. At some point, they could just sort of like flip a switch and yeah. So actually, they they are a bit. Are, that's one thing that yeah. people have raised. But, but still, it's it's pushing the envelope. It's yeah, showing yeah. what can be done. Yeah, and recreating that model kind of thing, maybe in GitLab or yeah, something like that. Gitia. Fascinating stuff. So there's stuff you know we, you know we we're, we're kind of. There's a rebel alliance brewing that we're yeah. all kind of like going to try to take down the Death Star. So, um, <laughs> more yeah. power to you, geez. More power to you. How would you? How would you foresee? This is something I think about at night sometimes. How do you? How would you foresee uh, a healthy society with, with you know, a funding model that actually works for science? Like, in the ideal world kind of thing so what would it look like um you know i'm biased but like more is or you know we do need um so it's it's interesting some societies obviously spend more money than others Uh, like the the singapore um japan um some of these some country uh, korea they spend up to three percent of their uh gdp on research right and and like that that's good, right? Obviously, it, it, you can't spend 100% of your GDP on it, but like three, you know, three percent's a nice, a nice number. They kind of, um, uh, you know, realize it's a, it it boosts the, you know, it has a has a benefit for society, and cool things come out of this, like tech and 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 your diversifying your economy. Uh, look, Hong Kong, on the other hand, you know, we're supposedly a developed nation. This is one of my bugbears. They the the R and D spend here was about point six point seven percent, right? 
which is the equivalent, same amount that North African countries are paying. It's an absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. So Carrie yeah. Lam, in her last uh, budget, um, in the in the in her, well, actually when she first came in and in her big. But like first budget address, she's doubling research spending. Whoa! So we, we're like, which is good in five years, right? The plan is to double research spending, which is that that like, it's long overdue, right? Nobody has done this before. But the double, so doubling would take us from North African levels of spending to Malaysia, right? So our dream, Hong Kong's dream, is to one day catch up with Malaysia in uh, in research spending right this is the this is the dream one one day it's going to happen we'll do it man right, um, we'll do it Malaysia yeah. levels yeah 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 so that's the that's the anyway so like obviously more money is good right and then actually then and that's just another problem here um then you do with great power comes great responsibility right so you the the you you know beyond uh bail dole right beyond and the and the key thing is we want to like ipfi but so but so that so the fund the funders and this is the you know the european funders um so there's this plan s for example that the major european funders have all come to uh, uh, so by next year the plan is that they will not Basically, you won't get your grants renewed if you publish your stuff in a op- in a closed access journal, right? That so, uh, and North America hasn't really signed on to this. Asia's like way off, right? Like way off this. But the European, m- most of the European funders, and it is driven by Wellcome Trust and the pe- like the people who are pushing data share. You know, made the Human Genome Project open and stuff like this. They've been focused on that. They like all of the out and fo- so focused on the publications first, but also the like the data. And so this, you know, this is so modern forward thinking countries are like fund it well enough. And also the point of this is for the public good, right? They're act- right. like, however much the researchers want to like keep this data, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to, belongs to all of us. And so like maybe, yeah, you can write things in that they get a like one year head start on the data they produce or something like that. But there has to be, you know, by the end of this project, where is it right i want the i want it publicly available they're building a big open science cloud that it like the data has to be in the public you know that the narrative outputs need to be over and everything and so this is what this is the and and yeah focused on the outputs are open not patented and things like how this. much influence do you and your circle have in being able to influence this sort of outcome um, so we, on a small scale, that so we're a carrot as well, right? You know, you, like you play the game, you get indexed in these ways, you become a, an attractive thing to go on someone's CV. Like we have, we can influence in that that extent. Oh, the, the big journals, ha- like they've got a lot more they have a lot more clout they go to the, they you know they go to policy meetings they go to they meet the politicians will be like oh so in in europe they, the european union um european commission and stuff are very much like there has been pushback so at you know elsevier they're a dutch they're, they're a, a dutch um uh you know, Europe, there's going to be some bias in Europe. Like, okay, they are a European company, and they're like, but but then there's been a lot of pushback as well. That a lot of the policy people are like, 
I'm not working with these people. Um, <laughs> They're Satan incarnate. <laughs> um, yeah, and the the like University of California, um, yeah. big you know big groups of universities, big funders pushing back. Gates Foundation has been very we're like very early and signing on to. Every, if you get a Gates Foundation grant, it's big, big money, but you, it's not your data. It's everyone's data. You, have to, you won't get... Uh, um, Chan Zuckerberg, uh, interesting. Um, like, yeah, Zuckerberg's, uh, like, <laughs> a lot can be said about, um, about Zuckerberg. But he's, he's thrown a lot of money on... Uh, on uh, um, he set up his own sort of Gates foundation thing. But they're interesting. A lot of their focus is... Front loaded on a, a lot of their money is changing, uh, changing academia, the incentive systems. They've been funding um, preprint servers. They've been funding um, a lot, a lot on their infrastructure side um, to to try and make these cultural cultural changes, um, which is um, yeah one probably one of the only good legacies to come from Facebook. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, so, st- like, you can definitely see... Wasn't wasn't there a, a list of about a hundred or, so, or a thousand academics that sort of put their name on a list of, uh, uh, on a paper and, and in rebellion towards what Zuckerberg is doing about something? I didn't really... Um, what was that about? Yeah, so it, what, that was all Chan Zuckerberg funded scientists uh, shaking their fists but not actually saying I'm going to give my money back um, because of um, this was all Facebook refusing to um, Twitter uh, a lot of the crazy shit Trump has been saying like Black Lives Matter instigating um so t- Twitter put like this is hate speech kind of has been putting hate speech you know and taking some yeah. Trump stuff down, but Facebook has refused to, oh, and or, and and uh, Facebook has also said that they will um, not uh, fact check political advertising and stuff like that. So anyway, so they there was I think that letter was academics all condemning Facebook. Oh but, okay, all right, okay. But they were all Chan Zuckerberg funded. They were funded by him, and they were like saying we're not happy, but they still all taking his money. Yeah, I see. <laughs> so it I was see. a little bit. It was a little bit of a funny letter. Right. Okay. Well, we, we can move on from that mm. that particular subject. <laughs> yeah. This has been fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Do you? Have, how, if people want to contact you, how how do they get hold of you? Um. I'm quite easy to Google and find online. And uh, yeah, so uh, Scott at gigasciencejournal.com is my email address, and you can find me on the if you look up gigascience and stuff. My um, there are email details and things on that. Do you have any other sort of uh, things you want to get out into the world? Any sort? Um, ah, there's lots of lots of things, but like. Um, yeah, it's probably a bit late in the evening. For we've talked a lot on. We have. Yeah, we have. We can probably wrap it up then. Okay. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much for doing this. I All really right. appreciate. Yeah, it. thank you for letting me come and drink oolong tea and ramble. <laughs> yeah. Ramble on about yeah. the misgivings of science and troubles yeah. with science. 
appreciate it. Okay. Hi. We've been going for about two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting a bit. Yeah, I can see it flagging. All right.